0: Hey everyone, this is Joe Zijin. You're listening to the Casanova Podcast. The Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, is brought to you by these contributors on Patreon. If you'd like to see more content like this more often, as well as more podcast reviews, impressions, early access releases, live streams, and original content, then consider becoming a patron today. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm coming at you with another phenomenal interview. And in today's episode, I've got the true honor and privilege of having a man who is just blazing a trail when it comes to content creation, originality, fresh, and just insightful and thought-provoking. And that man is none other than the one, the only Josh of your player too. Now Josh is a content creator that's just been making so many waves lately and I, I genuinely enjoy the content he puts out. It's informative, like I said at the beginning, it's insightful, it's thought-provoking and it's something that you need to consider. I mean if you're a content creator you're looking at different ways to expand your reach, your growth, your audience and fine-tune things that you may not have thought about fine-tuning and what you need to check out is yours player too. Now, if you're ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. Let's go ahead and welcome Josh onto the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova podcast. I'm your host, Mikel Casanova, and I have the honor, the privilege to have the one, the only, the iconic your player too, josh go ahead and introduce yourself <laughs> i don't know
1: how to follow that when you're like iconic i think that's incredibly high praise like I, you know but no I'm, I'm glad to be here man thanks so much for inviting me on i'm uh, i'm oh. pumped to you know talk about youtube and whatnot and you know uh it was good hanging out with you at e3 and now we're finally connecting in like uh you know one of your podcasts i'm pretty excited man
0: i know and i don't think people realize like we've been trying to get this going for a while now <laughs> yeah
1: yeah we kept running into some issues um just just with uh you know conflict of schedule and everything and like my work schedule's weird because like some weekends i'm on call so it's like i don't want to commit to a podcast then like in the middle I'd be like i have to go fix this server problem just give me like five minutes right you know, it be objectively <laughs> terrible
0: oh man How, how's your day been going so far
1: uh, it's been good. I, I actually, I, I weirdly kind of boring, but it, it's fun. Like I've been like cleaning out my basement and like I've been slow. So I used to film everything in the basement for the channel, right? And mm-hmm. then when Jason uh, abandoned me and got married like a jerk and moved out of here, uh, <laughs> I took over his, his, what used to be his bedroom and kind of turned it into a place where I could, you know, mainly do streaming and kind of have like mm-hmm. an office type setting, Which which all that stuff used to be in the basement. Now it's like the basement is basically just like this dumping ground for all my video game stuff, but it hasn't really been, pristinely organized because i haven't been filming down there i'm like nah, that's a problem for future, josh i'll deal with that later so i uh now i'm kind of at the place where i'm like okay this is getting way out of control so i've been slowly just like cleaning out my like my laundry rooms right next to to you know the finished part of my basement and that's where i keep all my games and stuff so i've been basically organizing my video game collection in such a way where it's like uh editions that i don't love that much or ones that you know i don't I don't feel, you know, the need to display the same way I would like a Breath of the Wild collection edition or or more recently the creepy jar baby back here, the dust raining collection edition. <laughs> like that stuff gets shoved into a very neat like storage area kind of with a couple of shelves where I put all you know the, the larger weird boxes that don't fit on a shelf very easily. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I've been slowly cleaning all that up. So one, I could shoot there, but two, it just, just feels nice. I like things to be clean and orderly um but then again it's sort of an out of sight out of mind thing right i'm like i'm not down here this can devolve into pure chaos and doesn't matter i work upstairs where it's clean so horrible way to look at it
0: no 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 i understand like i was telling you before we went live like we're doing this podcast uh, I'm i'm actually shooting in my my third bedroom and i'm like i don't use this for anything other than my youtube videos where you see me walk towards the camera and panoramic and all right, other right, stuff. Right. and now i'm recording in here and it's like Oh, wow. Like, I typically, like, I I, I would, you know, for the audience is like, oh, this is a different layout. Yeah. Typically, Mm. I would go in my office, uh, the second bedroom. Right. And I get to enjoy the AC. Right Right now, I don't get to enjoy the A.C. because someone's streaming, but it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But it's weird, though, because the temperature out here in Hawaii has changed because typically during the day, it's like high 80s. So like 80, 87, 88 degrees with a heat index of like 95, (laughs) 97. And right now it's uh, I want to say it's like 82 degrees. And at night, it's dropping down to like early 60s which that's is gonna be nice uh, it's, but it's cold you know I'm no, like, like, for you
1: though you're probably like freezing to death whereas like <laughs> in ohio we're just like that's shorts weather for us so
0: Dude, i'm like john snow out here
1: right. <laughs> <from Lord laughs> <the Rings>. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, and that's the other thing that's like, like working in a basement is it, it stayed very cool, right? And I think part of me mentally, I was just like, man, I don't want to be a terrible cliche and just be like making video game videos in my basement. That feels too on the nose. I was like, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a guest bedroom. I don't know, I'm in an office. But then, like, my AC went out in the middle of July when we were at like peak, like 90 plus degree, or 98 plus degree weather. And there for about a week, I was just like, I couldn't do anything. So I'd already moved all the equipment up here. So, you know, heat rises naturally anyways. And then my AC is out. And then I've got like, you know, two computers here. And then I've got like a a PlayStation running and and like lights for streaming. It was just like burning up. Uh, That was terrible. That that was my worst time on the channel trying to make content. Because I was like, it's it's too hot. I'm just going to go hang out in the basement
0: and
1: drink lots of water.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, uh, how about uh, we're going to kick this off and, and for the audience, there's going to be a Q&A section. If you got your questions, make sure you get them all set up and ready. But, you know, we, we need to dive into the mythos and the legend of your player too. Ooh. How did this get started? How'd you come up with the name? What inspired you to become a content creator?
1: So in, in terms of what inspired me to be a content creator, I feel like I kind of went on the, the, the journey that I think a lot of people do. It's like, like when you're a kid, you have no concept of things like how much effort it would take to achieve your dream. So when you're a kid and someone's like, what do you want to be? You're just like, I want to be an astronaut. And you, and, you know, again your you're like, 20, you're like that sounds terrible. Like there's so much math. <laughs> uh, but when, when I was a kid, like the one thing I always wanted to be was I, I used to say that I wanted to be a journalist and it wasn't really because I loved journalism. It was more just because I really loved to write stuff. So I would like, You know, if the teacher gave like essay questions and stuff, like I was the kind of nerd that would be like, writing way beyond what, what the expected was i just really always liked to write um and that was always really enjoyable to me uh and then as time went on i kind of became like the town's kid for computers and i just mm-hmm. sort of a natural aptitude because my parents are both huge geeks my dad just turned 60 dude still playing video games like they just kind of raised me on that and looking back i see now it wasn't so much that they were they were like huge into computers themselves they were huge mm-hmm. into computers to make video games run and at the time i was just like my parents love computers but no it's not really the wow. case they just They just loved to do it because they were like, we got to play the new Sierra games on a CD-ROM. We have to get one. So that's what they were all about. And then um, really what happened was I, as the town's kind of computer kid, I, you know, I went to DeVry, which terrified me my first week at DeVry because I, you know, I I went there for computer information systems. And I was only, I'd only lived in Columbus like about a week because I came from a small town of about 10,000 people. And then I moved to Columbus, which is a much larger city. And I'll never forget, like the first week I was here, I was watching The Daily Show and it was back when it was uh, Jon Stewart. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about something NASA done, like some satellite they tried to send up and it burned up in the atmosphere or or exploded. And he was like, sounds like somebody went to DeVry. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing (laughs) with my life? Why did I make this decision? But long story short, so I started into computers, and then it was very – in my early 20s, I would say. Probably when I was about 22, 23, I started to realize that it wasn't so much that I loved computers, but rather I was way more interested in what I could do with computers. And to that end, what I mean is I I still love to write. Just I got really into like blogging there for a while. Uh, For a while, I thought I was going to get into podcasting because I I got my first Mac, and I found it was very easy to start making things. And that's kind of around the time – it was about 2008, 2009 – where I started messing with video. And it was weird because my dad had done multimedia production for about 20 years at one point. I'm proud of that. He was a DJ on the radio. And it, it, I'll never forget, like growing up, it, like going to work with him occasionally. Well, he's like, you know, like lining up like actors or doing shoots and stuff for, for you know, Ashland Oils, where he worked uh, for mm-hmm. commercials and things like that. And he would try to show me video editing stuff. And I was like, I don't need this garbage. I'm a computer guy. And then fast forward like 15 years. I'm like, why didn't I listen to my father more? <laughs> um, so uh, this is a really old, this is taking way longer than i expected sorry so Dude,
0: go in there's no our, filter our, we love this we love okay. this keep keep it going <laughs> so, so I, I guess what i'll say is
1: i, I started uh, a website and um it was it, because of the channel used to be Geeks Podcast, which was a completely dumb and horrible misnomer. I just thought the name was really cool. I was like, look at this sweet domain name I got. I didn't really take into account the fact that there's a big problem with that name for me personally. I didn't realize it until a few years later, more years than I'd like to admit, I think. Um, but essentially, one is the word geek is extremely broad right so unless you sort of you know make it very clear what your particular slice of the geek pie is whether that's like comic books or collectibles or video games or whatever um then if you do a video in one of those arenas and people subscribe to you and you don't do another video like that like if you do a comic book video and then you don't do a comic book video for like you know three months because you're really into video games for a minute then you know the people that subscribe won't really come back as much so my numbers like my subscriber base even though people like oh you've got almost eight thousand subscribers like that's a really inflated number because i was largely unfocused in my first go around on youtube um and so how we get to year player two is i kind of finally realized i was like i need something that you know is going to be unequivocally something i can stay interested in that i'm passionate about that i can create content around but i also wanted to make sure i could distinguish myself in some way because you know Lots of people, I think, sort of erroneously think, like, oh, I'll just start a gaming channel and then money. I think they have this idea, or even really in any niche. I think people think, like, oh, I'll just start a YouTube channel and then I'll start making the big bucks. And, and like, you know, uh, fingers <laughs> in here who's already full time knows that's not something that just happens. It's, it's not. It's long, slow, deliberate action coupled with things like, you know, self doubt and loathing and weird looks from friends who are just like, oh, well, you spend a lot of time on YouTube we you just don't quite get it. <laughs> Uh, so when I started thinking about the way I wanted to distinguish myself, I started thinking about the things like, well, what's something that you're never going to grow to hate? And when I really looked at myself, and my personal history, like, yes, I like science fiction. Yes, I liked comic books and um, you know, like collectibles and things like that. But I've been hardcore about video games ever since a young age. and I never really. And I, at a certain point, I think I, I, I earnestly thought, like, you know, maybe one day I'll grow out of this whole video game thing. And I think it was probably also my early 20s when I realized my dad was nearing his 50s and he was still just like are we playing Halo tonight? And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. I've got a sneaking feeling I'm going to be in this for the long haul. So gaming was where I wanted to focus and then the Your Player Two name came from, uh, I wanted to kind of convey a sense of accessibility right because i feel like a lot of content creators are above their audience or they think that in order to look the part of somebody who's successful i I think ostensibly to maybe dupe other people into believing they're successful or to to get some validation is they they're they're like super above people like they're i don't want to say they're overtly condescending i don't think that's the case but what i will say is i think that sometimes you know there is like a kind of a holier than thou mentality and i think that's a really horrible idea i just think that's a bad vibe to put out in any walk of life but particularly on youtube really yeah. off-putting um so with your player two really what I wanted to communicate there was like your like the possessive right like I'm like I would be your friend or your player two in this case and you know the thought process there was that you know kind of like not like an adversarial player two like in Street Fighter or something but rather like um you know like like Turtles in Time or something where you've got a second player who comes in as a support role and so yeah. I, I really wanted to make content that was uh, kind of structured around specifically like helping other people who had gaming channels and then I kind of had have been dealing with a slight identity crisis. And so I'm like, well, some of the videos I make don't speak specifically to gaming, right? If I tell you how to frame a shot better, I mean, you might be like a tractor enthusiast and that knowledge is still still valid. So then I was like, am I sort of betraying my audience? Am I not doing this the right way? So I've gradually, like, I guess what I'm saying is I was really naive because when I first went to your player two, I was like, yes, I've cracked it. And I felt so good about myself. I was like, I'm a gaming channel. And I was like, oh my God, there's like 50 different varieties of gaming channels. with 50 <laughs> different types of needs. And um, so I've had people hit me up and they're like, Hey, I, you know, like, what do you think about this piece of equipment? Should I get this? Or what do you think about editing? And like, I can speak to a lot of that stuff. I, I think in a, in, a, in a mildly intelligent way, but you know, sometimes when people ask me really hardcore streaming stuff, like I don't really know. Cause I haven't experienced it myself. And, um, that's one of the things I never wanted to do. Like my biggest fear is that I, I never want to become like a guru, right? Those casts that are like, I can solve all your problems for like $1,500. Don't you want me to solve all your problems? Which is ridiculous because every, every creator is different. Every audience is different, right? What you put Mm -hmm. out there, people are going to have different expectations. So to, to put forth this thought process that there's some silver bullet to all of your YouTube problems, there isn't one. Now there are, I think there are good principles you can put in place, but that's something that I think you sort of organically discover based on who your audience is, where your particular tastes waver in the content you create. And for me, I can't, I can't speak. You know from a position of pure authority where i'm like you know if you have a hundred thousand subscribers you should do this i don't know that i don't have a hundred thousand subscribers i haven't lived that what i can do is look at my own life experiences and the things i've learned on my own beats getting to, to this point in my youtube career and talk about that and just do the best that i can and then i always tell people like take any advice you get on the internet with a huge grain of salt take advice from me with a huge grain of salt and if you see something i've done that's overtly wrong please tell me i promise my ego will not shatter you know shatter under that under that condemnation
0: Oh, man. Okay, I'm gonna say this. There's, there's two things. I'm, I'm gonna touch on what Fabian said in a minute, because it's funny. But uh, I'm gonna tell you this, Josh, you're like me. We both love to talk. So go in if there's a story. <laughs> I don't want you holding back.
1: Okay, all right. Fair, fair.
0: Because <laughs> I, I felt like, you know, when you started talking about Your Flair too and mm. how you came up with that name, and I feel like there was an in-between I missed. Yeah. And I'm like...
1: So, so the in between part, yeah. Are you, know, you talking about like when, when I made the leap from Geeks Podcast to Your Player Two? That yes. that piece. So for a while, like I, I actually worked with a, a team of friends for a, for a while, and I lost mm-hmm. some of those friends. And essentially, what it came down to was everyone kind of had a different vision of what they wanted to do, and I kind of selfishly didn't want to go in a lot of those directions, and I wasn't willing to compromise on it. And it wasn't so much that I, I wasn't willing to encourage you know, the other creative outputs, I was, but I realized way too late in the game that you couldn't really put all that stuff under the same umbrella. Like you can, if you're like an IGN, right? If you have millions of dollars at your disposal, yeah, you can hire experts in 15 different fields, group it all under one thing like geek or or like kind of an umbrella concept. And then there are people that can continue to cater to that audience and bring traffic into a site, to a YouTube channel, to a podcast, whatever it is. But I didn't have those resources, right? It was sort of like a, a ragtag bunch of like misfit, toys right like that's what i was trying to work with and the, the issue with that um and it's weird because like like some of those people are still friends i'm actually helping uh one of them is actually going to be starting a new youtube channel uh in the next week and he was like hey man like can i come over will you help me film this and i was like absolutely because the whole thing there was like i realized we needed to niche down and that each person would have to pull their own weight in the area that they were most excited about but not everyone had that same you know that same gumption that i do right and because i was all in and you know because i you know Purchased equipment and all the stuff that I did because I loved it. It's and Gary, you know I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee and he says it best. Like because he has these basically, if you're not familiar with Gary Vee, I, I'm sure you are. But um, Gary Vee is like a, an entrepreneur who started Wine Library TV back in I think it was the early 2000s and basically catapulted his parents' wine business from like a two or three million dollar a year company to like a sixty million dollar a year company. It was just it was tremendous and he did it predominantly leveraging the power of social media and making content on the web. So he's a huge inspiration to me. But one of the things that he does is when he goes to these seminars and he talks and stuff, he's a no-nonsense kind of dude. Very verbose, very to the point. And he'll have these entrepreneurs, they're like, Gary, how come I can't, my employee's not... Uh, how come he's not as excited about this as I am? Like, if you want your employee to be as excited as you are about what you're building, then you need to give them an equal share of equity in the company because they're not going to share that excitement. If you're paying them $8 an hour and then you're the person who stands to reap the most benefit from whatever effort you're putting in, um, you know, if you want someone to share your passion, share excitement, great. Give them half of the company. Then then they'll, have, they'll be as invested as you are. Uh, and I think that was just a crucial misstep. Um, at that point. So from Geek's Podcast to Your Player Two is where basically originally uh, I would have stayed on a team with a lot of those guys, but they were not interested. And a lot of them just did not like the idea of Your Player Two. They didn't like the idea of trying to basically build a solo endeavor that was was focused. Um, It just didn't work. Stay friends with some of them, not all of them uh but really what it came down to was i knew what i needed to do and i could see what was going to end up being more successful in in the long run and it would be fulfilling for me too because i wouldn't have to worry about covering things i didn't care about because one of the other things i think we try to do variety is sometimes there's a temptation to trend chase in a negative way where you're like mm-hmm. yeah i really want to talk about like for me let's say death stranding for example which is you know is a game and that's something i can comfortably speak to because i really enjoy it but there would also be a temptation there if it was still under geeks podcast where it would be like Oh, but, you know, like this movie or something came out that, you know, that's a really hot topic. You should talk about that. And then there was a temptation, I think, to talk about something I wasn't as passionate about or excited for just in the interest of, you know, like some analytics boost. I'm not saying it's bad to trend tech. I'm not saying that you can't you know, gravitate to something that's trending. I think that's smart. I think a mix of evergreen and trending content is a good strategy but i also think that you have to be careful with that because i think if all you do is trend chase i think people pick up on that real quick and i think they'll they'll call you out on it um because if you know if you never like if i never really showed any extreme excitement for um like like pokemon or something like that and then i was like gee golly willigers guys we're doing pokemon month most people would be like you're not even really into that in that into pokemon like you've said that on the chill cast or the loop cast or whatever so, um, yeah, really the, the transition there was one, I guess, sort of a personal journey of me figuring out what I wanted to do just kind of as a person and realized that I wanted to provide value beyond just like video game stuff. Like, I, cause the most fulfilling part of it for me is uh, helping people. And that sounds super dopey. I, it's not lost to me how dopey that's. It's like, well, man, I just, i love to help oh, you. It Fuck it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, kind of, <laughs> like, I don't want to sound cute. Mr. Rogers up in here, but like, and the other part of that too is like, uh, and, I, and I'll never forget, like I had somebody comment one of my videos, they're like, man, they're like, I love your videos because you're not all about the money. And I was like, no, no, I am all about the money. I am super okay with making money on YouTube. But for me, you know, money is like the, the vehicle that gets you to something that's more fulfilling. So for me, to go full time would be, okay, uh, now I can dedicate eight, nine hours a day towards content creation instead of having a day job to pay my bills because you have to be responsible, right? I think a lot of people too are like, you know, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and chase my dream, whatever it is, not even on YouTube. it's like, if you don't have a plan in place, that's a horrible idea because you are going to wreck yourself either financially or emotionally or socially if you just decide, yeah, I'm just going to be a free spirit and just follow my patch. Like it's admirable in a very romanticized sort of way. And And I get that. But realistically, you have to keep your electric on, right? You have to make sure you have, you know, you take care of your responsibilities i guess yeah um so yeah for for me it's going full-time is really because i want time more than money right if i can free up the time to to create more content or better content that's very exciting because the, earnestly the most fulfilling part of this for me or, or the content i create is not so much when pe- someone's like "Ooh, like that's a really cool shot even though i do appreciate like when someone you know, likes the aesthetics of what I put out, that's great. But I really like it when someone messages me. They're like, hey, I just want to let you know, I started, I tried a new thing that was scary because of something you said. Uh, I decided to get back into YouTube because you helped put something in perspective for me. Um, and I, so, in that way, I wouldn't even say that I get the most fulfillment from like, giving people information or or teaching somebody something uh i like the feeling of encouraging somebody else because man like there's no shortage of people in this world there's no shortage of content in this world that will just beat you down all you have to i mean you can go into facebook and see like your weird uncle putting stuff that's just incredibly disheartening and yeah i think we've all got that that one guy on our facebook timeline and it's like you know for me and another reason I, i liked gaming in particular is like it's it not that there's not drama in the game, there totally is, but it was a lot easier for me to sort of curate things like Twitter and YouTube with stuff that was very specific to something that I thought brought people together. Um, and, and that's the thing, like, so, you know, regardless of like your political affiliations, religious beliefs, like sexual background, you know, any of that stuff. If you love games, like I want to talk to you about that. I don't care about any of that other stuff. I like things that unify people. Cause there's plenty in this world, both digital and in meat space that splits people apart. And I'm just not interested in them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I, I'm the same way, man. You and I, I, I feel like you, I, and, and, um, and, and, and Fabian, we are, we're so much alike and yeah. it's so funny how spread out across the U S we are. Right. 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 <laughs> But I mean, I'm the same way. Like when it comes to stuff, like if you want to talk about gaming, let's talk about it. You want to talk about you know tech, let's talk about it. Like all the other stuff, you know, political affiliations or sexual orientations or whatever, that's cool. You know, do you? I, I just if we're talking about games, let's talk about games. Let's, let's right, just, right, right. You know, keep it keep it on topic. So, and you know, and I, I I that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm trending away from uh, uh Facebook. Cause yeah. I'm I'm just getting to the point where like my personal Facebook, I'm barely on it, and if I do anything like I even stopped promoting on my personal Facebook. Cause the crazy thing is I I've got um I've been on Facebook I want to say since 20, 2007. yeah, and I have about a thousand or so people friends,
1: right? And, <laughs> and <I've>, those quotes <laughs> are so necessary, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Like that guy I met that one concert, but then never talked to again. Like,
0: Right. It's like you, you make a post on there and nobody at all, they don't check it out. And it's one of the things like I've been telling other content creators I be that I do uh, consultations with. They're like, oh, I need to post this on my Facebook. I'm like, do you have a person like a brand Facebook? I mean, even with that, I mean, a brand Facebook page is better than having you know, like everything on your personal, because a lot of times people will just mute you or unfollow you. Right. And they're not, you know, if they don't engage, like it, most of the algorithms, if a person doesn't engage, it's not going to show up in their feed. Right. And most of the people that, you know, with the exception of sometimes family, even then sometimes family doesn't care. A lot of people just don't care about stuff you do. And then when it comes to YouTube or just content creation in general, people, people, a lot of people I know, Fabian and I, we touched on that too. A, pe- a lot of people don't get it. Yeah, they don't understand it. They don't they, understand why you're devoting so much time to it.
1: They, they really don't. And and to to your point about Facebook, it, it's weird because I it, that used to be like my only social life for a long time. I hated Twitter. Like I wouldn't do it, or I would just use it in a very shimsy billboardy sort of way, which was terrible. Uh, and then I. It was right at the beginning of twenty seventeen, I want to say, or maybe it was 20, at the beginning of twenty eighteen. I just pieced out of Facebook entirely. I just literally, like, even when it, like you know a hundred people show up on your birthday on Facebook, they're like, "Hey, happy birthday!" It's not that I didn't appreciate them. I just, I, I just sort of decided to start keeping a distance from that platform entirely, and mm-hmm. I, I literally. Never log into Facebook unless uh, my mom will call and yell at me. She'll be like, did you see the funny thing I put on Facebook? And I'm like, no. She's like, go get on Facebook right now. I'm like, okay, I'll go get on Facebook. Um, or like, my my friend my friend Justin, she hit me up and she was like, hey, was like, did you see the adorable pictures I put up with my baby? I'm like, no, I didn't see him. She's like, well, go to Facebook. I'm like, okay. Like I only go there if someone makes me do it, like there's an event or something. But it's been so much nicer. Like I don't feel addicted to that infinite scrolling timeline or anything like that. I don't get assaulted with this range of just like borderline bigotry in some in some places, or just like people's Mm -hmm. extremist political views that I just don't care about. Um, And that's been really really nice. Like Twitter was when I started using Twitter the right way. It became this amazing oasis, this breath of fresh air, if you will, for my online social social, because it was just it was so much nicer to open up a feed and see literally a hundred tweets in a row where someone's talking about video games, something I can get behind uh, and not have to worry with any of the other nonsense. And to your point, like about not promoting on personal Facebook, I used to do that all the time. Stop doing it because to your point, not everyone you're friends with cares about the Mega Man Collector's Edition that you picked up for maybe do or something like that. Right. Um, like a few of them will. But ultimately, I think now I think there can be a lot of marketing benefit in Facebook. I think really what it comes down to is uh, Facebook ads, which aren't priced as competitively as they used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also, I would say, like, if you found specific Facebook groups where everybody who's in that group is there for one unified reason, because of a love for, um, you know, video game hunting or a particular Mm -hmm. online video game where, you know, that everybody's kind of in the same headspace. Uh, but you know, that, I think that's one of the things that, that where most marketing goes awry is people don't think about, uh, one is the context or the audience that they're speaking to, um, or two, whether or not they're utilizing the right format for whatever platform they're trying to push their message on.
0: Shout out to the checkpoint show for the is 10, <laughs> 10, $10 in Euro,
1: uh, $10. euro He did. This happened yesterday on Avedon stream <laughs> and we weren't sure we were, we were like $10, 10 something. <laughs> I think it is euros though
0: awesome uh, th- thank you so much checkpoint show for for that and uh matt you- you're so right and i i see we got a lot of people in the chat the chat's going You know shout out to miss j uh DJM, chips and sticks yes chips uh gamer thumb tv zero fanatic morrow what's up morrow and uh we-, we we just you know this is gonna be a fun show people you know what's funny i'm gonna say this so if you take if you subtract. About 10 minutes from this entire stream that we've been going live, which is mm-hmm. what 25 minutes. Yeah, that's the entire interview I had with uh Kira Buckland, aka 2B okay. from Nier,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. she had absolutely nothing to say,
1: right? I, <laughs> yeah, that, that's one problem I don't normally have, and it, it's weird. I'll say this too. Uh, when it comes to talking to people online like this, like if you'd asked me to do this two or three years ago, I probably would have said no, and truthfully, <laughs> like I like. It, if you put me in like a concert situation or, or like at a party or, or someplace where i'm surrounded by strangers i don't really have m- much m- much of an issue with that right like i'll just mm-hmm. talk to random people try to find some common ground strike up a conversation but for years uh my anxiety would manifest as i am terrified to say anything online because i've got ripped to shreds because someone's going to be and but this thing like my flavor of anxiety is imposter syndrome right it's like no matter how you know, no matter how well you do at a thing or how much you achieve, or whatever, you never really believe in yourself. You always think it's just a fluke or you looked into it or at any moment someone's going to expose you as a fraud. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I'm going to have to throw my hands back. I guess he's right. Uh, so, you know, for me, like learning to be social at some point on YouTube, I realized um, you know, and I was like, yeah, I really want to make this YouTube thing work or really like make, you know, making content. Like, I don't know how to chain all this creative energy yet, but I was really committed to just, you know, to continue on that journey till I figured it out. And at some point I kind of had this wake up call with myself and I was just like, you know, if you want to thrive on the internet, you're going to have to start talking to people. <laughs> and, uh, so that's where I'm at now. Now I don't shut up. Now I just chatter pretty much incessantly uh, through morning live streams and this and like, you know, if anybody's like, Hey, do you want to be on podcast?" I'm like, absolutely. I do. I'll talk forever which is kind of a detriment <laughs> if i'm being honest.
0: No, dude, i absolutely love it. I'm over here like, i'm not gonna like when you were talking i, I saw you were just like catching yourself and i'm like stop
1: it. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing like cuz you know and it's weird because the format's different too, right? Like sometimes like i've been i've been on at least i think one of these before, where it wasn't i don't think we did it live. Um uh but it was I'm trying to remember who it was that i was talking to, but essentially my problem with it was uh, there was like a, a hard time limit. So I started like being very deliberate about the things that I would say or how, how much expository nonsense I would kind of dive into. Um, so yeah, like it plus, you know, something else too is like, like I, I do tend to speak in a sort of verbose way and I kind of can ramble on, but you know, when you, you learn very quickly as a kid, I think unless you want to get very intimately familiar with the inside of a locker, not to be so chatty and kind of dial it back a little bit. So, you know, I I try to be mindful of social cues, but this is a format that shouldn't matter, right? It's a podcast. You know, if you and Fabian can talk for four hours, I should be able to talk about my love of death training for at least two of those five hours.
0: Right? Okay. The only thing is nobody has beat the record that Miss DJM in the chat has set because when I did my interview with her, we went over five hours just talking
1: oh see I, th- I saw that she said that i <laughs> thought she was talking about like on my own channel like yeah i'm not gonna do five hours right now but at some point you want me to just chat for five hours on my channel miss djm you come find me we'll make it happen <laughs> I, I don't know what i'll be talking about at the end of five hours i may drink through, like 40 of these monsters but which i'll, I'll say this too about death stranding Sam, i don't believe in having monster and death stranding i think it's immersion breaking i think it's tacky i think it's ridiculous that being said I also did feel compelled to buy a 12-pack of these yesterday, so it's – it's good job.
0: Subliminal marketing.
1: Nailed it. Like, and strangely, I'm only ending this early because I have to go watch Norman Reedus an AMC's ride as soon as we're done. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, that's one of the other things I wanted to touch on. You just started a podcast recently, man. Tell us about it. Oh, well, What's the
2: theme
1: oh, it okay. Let's talk about that because I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say like I start, I, yes, technically I started a podcast. I don't know if I'm going to follow through on this podcast. Cause really what happened was I, you know, I did this 90-day live stream experiment on the channel where all I did was go live because I was curious, one, at the macro level, does this completely destroy your YouTube channel? If you're like, you know what? I'm not doing pre-produced video anymore. I'm just going to talk to people uh, every day at 8 a.m. for an hour and then call it a day, and then maybe I'll stream some video games at night, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But then also I was curious to see on the micro level, like what does that look? for each individual live stream from an analytics standpoint like will it get the same search engine ranking as a video that you you know very carefully tailor to a very particular you know um, topic and then you know try to rank it and everything like that uh, and i'm happy <laughs> to worry it didn't tank my channel and when we talked about this a little bit before we started the, the start of the show uh it didn't uh i did see a lot of growth but it wasn't growth in in the way you would measure necessarily in pure subscribers right now i did see a, a big jump up in subscribers and i was like hey this live thing's working And then i went and looked more closely got more grain with those analytics and i found oh that's because my beat saber video out of nowhere shot up in the rankings because beat saber released a patch or something and then that got ranked high for search and started bringing in a bunch more subs but where I, I think the growth did happen and i think the growth that I think a lot of people kind of underestimate, or they don't give as much heed to is in my connection with the people who really care about the content. And I guess the people you call regulars, right? I got to know a lot more of their stories. And that's the thing that I love most about live stream is the sort of bi-directional communication where it's not asynchronous, right? If I'm publishing a YouTube video and I put it up, I might respond to your comment. I might not, maybe I'll get to you immediately as a creator, maybe. Uh, I'll be busy and I have to wait three weeks before I can respond to a comment or something, right? But in, mm-hmm. in a live stream, you can get real-time feedback from people, like, immediately. So yeah. any game you name says, I su- oh, well, he says, I subscribe. I thought you were saying something else. Thank you for subscribing. I, I thought we were going to start a dialogue that was – never mind. My point is – Go, is go great. in! It's, it's great. Um. So, you know, it's when it comes to the podcast, what happened was I finished the 90 day live stream right around Halloween with this big like uh, I wanted to go 10 hours and end up because I just slept in a lot and I got started Mm -hmm. two hours late. I did like a six hour stream of Luigi's Mansion 3, which is super fun, by the way. And uh, after doing like 90 days, but I was like, all right, let me see if I can get some feedback from from people. So we did a stream where just kind of talk about what people liked, what they didn't like. And I put out a poll on my channel where I was like, hey, you know. The only two options. What did you like most about the, the morning streams if you caught them? Did you like the content most or the interaction most? Because generally the format was very basic. It was, I would talk about a particular topic for about you know 10, maybe 20 minutes at the most. And the rest of it was really just me talking, uh, just conversationally speaking with everybody else who was in the live stream, right? And I was hoping that what would happen is I would put that poll out and it would be significantly weighted one way or the other. Like people will be like 80%. Like we love the content. Just shut up and give us the content. Or on the flip side, they would be like, we just love hanging out. Let's just hang out. I don't care about your content. That's not for me. Because that way I could at least be, it would be easier for me to make a decision about which way to swing, you know, the format or, or what I would do moving forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, unfortunately, but also fortunately, I guess, is uh, it was a pretty even split, like 60-40, like 60 in favor of the interaction 40 in favor of the content. So it didn't really help me solve any huge problem from that. Like I couldn't definitively say like, oh yes, I need to focus hundred percent on interaction or hundred percent on the content. The answer is still somewhere in between. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a week off, think about this. And I still don't think I have it figured out, but basically I got kind of bored during the week. And I was like, man, I was like, I'm all about Death Stranding. And there's all this, you know, a review divide over whether it's a masterpiece or whether it's a dumpster fire. I'm going to talk about it, but I don't feel like making a video. Like what if I just wrote long form and did a podcast because it's the thing like right now I can ramble on because this format supports it in my videos I, t- I tend to keep things very punchy and quick and at a, a quick pace of like six to seven minutes because you know I try to be respectful of people's time not overload people and if I am I try to break it up into multiple videos in like a like a playlist or something but for this I was like man what if I you know wanted to be really flowery and verbose and ridiculous and be like self-parody could I just write a 5,000 word essay about what I get, think about this whole death stranding thing and then yeah i was like well i can't really put it on youtube because i don't know if people would dig it but i'll I'll screw around and i'll just put it on because i've been wanting to experiment anchor is amazing by the way uh anchor is like a if you're not familiar anchor is like a podcasting platform that's where you can find this the podcast that i did um but they make it super easy and i don't mean like oh you have to install a bunch of software although you can they give you the flexibility to go like hyper you know very high production or if you want you can literally just talk into your phone and it sounds amazing um And then they even let you do things like add background music and all that stuff and just like a few taps. And then they really take... Because the thing is, the other reason I I didn't mention this earlier, I mentioned that I didn't like the the geek part of Geek's Podcast because I realized it was too broad. But I didn't Mm -hmm. even really like the podcast part. And it's not that I don't like to talk. I love to talk. It's great. But i don't like the constant post-production of podcasting and like looking at audio waveforms and figuring out where to make cuts and how to add in sound effects like that's really boring to me visual stuff love you know, i love editing video but audio like i cannot i'd rather go to an insurance seminar for three hours than edit a podcast but anchor made it super easy and then they have like one button tap to publish and they just instantly they're like all right fine we'll put it out on spotify we'll put it on you know apple podcasts and all these different places so I was like, you know, this is just a fun experiment anyway, so I'm not really worried about, like, hardcore nuance of distribution. I just want to, you know, kind of mess around a little bit and see what what comes mm. out. So that's what I did. I started this uh, podcast one episode where all I did was tackle two, two topics. One was why I thought there was such an amazing critical divide on the subject of Death Stranding, uh, and two, why it didn't dissuade me at all, and why I still picked up Creepy Jar Baby back here. And... You know, and I did it just, you know, kind of as almost as a gag. I didn't put a ton of time into it or anything, but people seem to respond positively to it. So I may do more episodes moving forward, but that, it's almost like um, just like a raw creative place, I guess, for me. It's not so much that I'm like, hey, this is the tips and tricks podcast from your player, too. Maybe
0: it'll be that someday, but,
1: you know, I just want to talk. That's the that's the short of it. Really long. Well, answer.
0: well, sure. well you know, one of the things too, like I, I tell um, a lot of people what they can do is, you know, if you because there's a lot of people I know that I work with that do podcasts and they're the same as you, like the, the watching the wavelengths thing. That's boring. I, I will admit that is absolutely boring. But one right. thing you can do is if you make it in a video format and then just convert it to MP3 and right. just upload it. Um, one of my friends, uh, Chris Van Bleats, uh, a lot of you may know him cause he interviews Hollywood celebrities and, a lot of the WWE, and he's also with uh, AEW mm-hmm. as uh, one of their uh, interviewers, and I helped him create his podcast, uh, The Chris Van Vliet Show, and all I, I told him, I'm like, dude, you got amazing interviews with these celebrities and athletes. Why don't you just put that in podcast format? He's like, oh, well, I don't know how to do all this other stuff, and I'm like, well, all you need to do, literally, is just to convert your video to an AP3, and then upload it. Right. And he's been doing that he started i think he he started his podcast i want to say like four months ago maybe five Mm -hmm. months ago right dude it's already five star podcast on itunes on that podcast so it's you know i I tell people it is um you know it's really like podcasting and uh doing podcasts and and doing youtube because just because i think there's a lot of youtubers that i i both i personally know and i've noticed this trend over the last year a lot of youtubers are transitioning over to wanting to do podcasts and not understanding it. it's an entirely different beast oh yeah, yeah. You, you got an entirely different demographic of people there are different ways of marketing you know there's a different aesthetic like you you know you you're you still have to have a on camera presence mm-hmm. but at the same time you know your uh, your topics and and whatever you're doing, it needs to be either educational, entertaining, or both. If you can strike that balance, right, right, right. And you know there has to be you know as far as like the length and format. Like most YouTubers are like, oh, we need to hit ten minutes at length on the video. Well, on the podcast, it's kind of like the wild wild west. There is <laughs> no right, you know. So it's um, you know, in podcasting. I've listened to your I listened to your podcast. Oh, the death branded one? Re- so you're the one. No, I'm yes. Bad. Bad I am the one. I am inevitable. <laughs> I am <laughs> inevitable. <laughs> so I you know, and, and one of the things, Josh, I really hope that you, you keep it up because I really think you got something amazing with your podcasts. Like you really do.
1: It's one episode. Or are you talking Dude, about the morning I'm stream t- or are you talking about the, the, the actual podcast?
0: No, I'm right. talking well, I'm talking about both. Fool. Oh, okay.
1: Fair. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it
0: but it's no good. specifically the podcast i'm going to touch on the live stream in a minute but yeah the podcast, yeah i want your
1: perspective As someone who knows the podcasting world much better than i do i would love to hear your perspective or, or why you think it's, it's something i should pursue because I would take that wisdom
0: dude because honestly the way you're approaching it is is it's organic You know it's literally it's just you You're talking about something you're passionate about You're talking about why you can see the Extremes and the dynamics of people who are either For or against Death Stranding Mm -hmm. But I feel like you could do that with just about Anything I think you could take you know Like say Luigi's Mansion 3 and Why you enjoy it right Right. and just Talk about that and it's just There's so much of you That comes out In that podcast and it's the same Thing I tell YouTubers when they're doing Videos like put the you back in YouTube when you're doing podcasts like let you come out and it's just I absolutely loved it so I would I, I would honestly it. hate to see you drop podcasting I think you've got a, a very very bright future in that and I mean you got me as a resource I mean miss DJm she's the co-host of one of the biggest podcasts in the not only the US but New York and uh dude we're resources we're all in the same discord group so
1: i feel like you just give me a blank check to just bug you and miss dgm at, at my so that that sounds great <laughs> um but, i mean and that's the thing like, I, I, I'm sure I will continue it in some form. I don't know if it would be like a weekly thing or what. Um, Like uh, Checkpoints was asking me uh, earlier, like if I would ever have a guest on there. One of the things I did like about Anchor is like you can like just send a voice message to a show you listen to directly on that platform, and they can just add it Mm -hmm. right into the next episode they want. I I thought that was really cool. I'd never really seen that done before. Um, But you know, like I do when you talk about putting the you back in YouTube, I think that's really interesting because one of the things that I've, I've found is that. If you make informative content right if I make something that solves a very specific problem for somebody right like let's say uh, like I did a video about um, troubleshooting the Elgato chat link cable right So if' you're, if you're not familiar mm-hmm. backstory on that is with the PlayStation 4, you can only output audio through one th- through one output at a time. So if you're sending it out to your your through HDMI and you plug your headset into your controller, the audio is only going to come through there and you can't get it out there.
0: We're not about that El Gato life over here. Hey, hey,
1: i got my Avermedia <laughs> over here, okay? I don't want to hear it. I, I, I'm impartial. But at the time, what I will say is, so because of that, th- there was a problem where you couldn't get party chat from the PlayStation 4 uh, using the native PlayStation 4-party chat uh, and the game audio at the same time to go out through, uh, to be captured, you know, just through an HDMI cable through a standard capture card. So there's this kind of jank workaround that Elgato came, out, came up with, which was the chat link cable. which it's, it's really just like a, a 3.5 millimeter splitter cable where it splits the audio both to your headset, but then also sends it out so you can plug it into a 3.5 millimeter input on like a capture card so you can get people's voice and the game audio at the same time. It's an ugly workaround. Honestly, if, if I can fix what, Sony, if you're watching, If I could only fix one thing about your PlayStation 5 next year, let me put the audio out everywhere at once, okay? That was a stupid workaround, and I don't ever want to have (laughs) to do it again. But anyways, what I'm saying is if you solve a very specific – because that was a very specific problem, right? You had to be somebody who, first off, even knew what the Elgato Chatline Cable was. You basically had to be Mm -hmm. a content creator. You had to have a PlayStation 4 because you weren't having that problem on the Xbox. And so if I was helping you solve a problem with that, you may come to get the solution to your problem. But I think the thing that makes people stay is if they actually like how you deliver that content. One of the things I started realizing was, you know, people become a fan of of you on YouTube uh, as much as your content, right? Yeah. Like, even if you have an amazing stellar review um, of a particular game and I just like the way it was delivered, odds are good that I, I'm not just connecting with the the way you've laid that information out. I'm connecting with that personal piece of you, uh, whether that's your delivery, whether that's your your inflection, your prose, sentence structure, whatever it is. Um, and when I started to realize that, I started realizing like, okay, well, if all I do is solve problems, what I'm going to get is I'm going to have people that drop in on the video and they get the solution of their problem, and maybe they'll say thanks, and then they're going to peace out and probably never come back. Or maybe, maybe they'll stick around and look at other things. Mm-hmm. But that's when I realized like, you know, and this is kind of where it comes into like my identity crisis that I touched on earlier. It's not a full blown crisis. I'm just struggling with like, do I if I if I don't put out helpful content exclusively. Am I betraying my brand or what I stand for when I say that I want to you know, help encourage people or inform them or give them things that make their lives easier on YouTube as gamers? But on the flip side, if I only do fun stuff, if all I ever did was one hour monologues about how much I love Death Stranding, uh, is that also sort of betraying the audience where it's like I say that I'm going to provide helpful content, but then you know, if I talk about Death Stranding for an hour, nothing about that is particularly helpful. The only way I can make a light argument for it is that maybe people will see what I do in a piece of raw fun content like that, and they'll say maybe that in itself will be inspirational or encouraging to someone like, hey, if this idiot Ginger can do it, I can do that. I can go get a, a snowball and just talk about Norman Reedus's beautiful hair for an
0: hour. Did you just call yourself you know? a Ginger?
1: I mean, I'm comfortable with what I am. Okay. Like, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so that, yeah, but that's that's kind of where I'm stuck right now. Like, cause I, I'm like, what if there's a wrong ratio or something? But, you know, I'll I'll figure it out.
2: I think the important oh. thing
1: is to just keep going. But you're right. Put your own personality into it. You know, like I don't want to ever be so stale that I'm afraid to call myself a ginger on a podcast. I'm okay oh. with that. <laughs> Chips knows what's up. Single Dads Club. He
0: gets it. Uh, I, I got no love for Chips right now. He, what? He, says, he He said Ken from Street Fighter is trash.
1: <laughs> Ooh, here's the thing. we need to bring people together, okay? I'm not here to... To take sides on this debate, Mikkel. I'm not oh, gonna sit here man. and say I just I agree with Chips after you've you've been you know such a delightful host. I'm not getting dr- dragged into the middle of this nonsense. <laughs> That's a hard pass.
0: Oh man. Anyways, anyways. So so we got to touch on your live streams because I'm give you some feedback on that. I absolutely loved it. I didn't find anything wrong with it. I thought
1: they oh. were. Come on, you gotta find something wrong. No, that lighting could dude, be better. dude, dude, I'll pick I, it apart.
0: Okay, okay. You know what? You know what? You you and I are the same in the sense that we we can look at our own stuff and be incredibly critical of it. But I'm telling you this from someone who's not you, looking at what you're doing. I thought it was fucking Thank phenomenal, you. man. And I just got demonetized for probably saying that. But hey. Yeah youtube <laughs> yeah you know
1: i think I, I, I think they let you get away with one because they did like a behind the scenes like creator thing they were like you it's okay if you do one as long as you don't do a bunch of them and it's not overtly negative towards somebody so i think you can you can probably get away with that one.
0: Oh man but no dude like i i love the format because it was you know how like there's these channels that do like the gaming news and they uh they put up the gaming news videos like every single day yeah the yeah the thing is um you know, with you doing a live format for 90 days mm. and it's just touching on various different things, it didn't feel like, hey, I just went to Kotaku and I'm looking at an article and I'm right. regurgitating it straight to you. Yeah. It just looked like it was genuine content, you know, and before I, I left my job, because I left my job what uh, two months ago, mm-hmm. before I left it, you, you had started it and I would literally get up early just to watch your show like i'm having to get up at like two o'clock in the morning just to watch it just because that's i I wouldn't
1: get up at 2 a.m for that that sounds terrible hey
0: hey hey (laughs) (laughs) go on that's just you're ruining the sentimental moment i'm sorry
1: thank you for getting up early to watch as you were i interrupted go ahead
0: yeah but i mean like honestly i would get up early to watch it just because it was something that i literally enjoyed watching You know, I enjoyed the format, I enjoyed the style, I enjoyed the real, the realness of you, the organic nature of it. And, you know, the fact that you did that, you took that risk for 90 days, because, you know, you and I both know there is that prevailing rumor, if you live stream it hurts or kills your channel. Right. And you took that risk for 90 days as an experiment and it didn't kill your channel.
1: No, no, it, <laughs> it didn't kill my channel. Now, I I will say coming out of that experience, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Like I loved the interaction with people, but there was, when you say like, you know, I wasn't just regurgitating news and stuff. Like, I know what you mean by that because there are a lot of channels out there who, who can do video game news day in, day out. And some of them I go to for my news rather than the original sources. I'm like, it's easier. And I think this is an example of, a format and well, let me segue for a quick second. When you say uh the that you watch it in the mornings, like I have people that were messaging me and they were like, You have to keep doing this because I listened to this on my commute to work. The yellow kazoo would yell at me if I didn't go live at 8 a.m. She'd be like, <laughs> I got an hour commute, where are you at? Um so I think also like viewer habits are kind of shifting in that way. Like some people just want to listen to stuff um on YouTube, so it's almost like it's like a diet podcast in a weird way. And that's kind of what made me think about trying the podcast format to see if people would be receptive to it. But um, back what I was originally saying about the negatives that came out of that is when you say like, yeah, it was original content. It was organic. A lot of it was, but it also could get really stressful because it's like, you're constantly on like a daily deadline to be like, what am I, you know, in some cases I would have like a backlog of things that I was going to talk about. And I'm like, okay, I can go through these. And then sometimes just like anybody else, I would get sort of stuck in a creative rut where I'm like, I have no idea what to talk about tomorrow, but, I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I struggle to come up with ideas, it's usually the harder I try to think of them, the more it eludes me. But then if I just relax and give myself some mental and emotional margin to just go play a game or just wander around and not not think, oh, my God, I have to come up with content, that's usually when the best ideas tend to manifest. Um, so, yeah, that in that regard, it was a little bit stressful. And one of the things that I think made it less stressful, um, and I think it was Chips in the chat who had pointed this out, I think think it was chips it might have been somebody else or it might have been chips and somebody else but they basically said you know we like the stream but you don't necessarily have to do uh tips every single day like you could ping pong back and forth between just like if i just wanted to do uh i i can't use death stranding anymore i gotta come up with a different video game to reference uh (laughs) if i want to talk about Link's awakening one day and just you know kind of talk about that for an hour and get people's thoughts and kind of you know do a a morning stream i was like hey let's all talk about our first zelda game Um, You know, that could be just as valid to a lot of people as if I was like, hey, here are five ways to find cheap lighting solutions for, you know, for your next YouTube video or something. And I think that almost like getting that permission, I think, from from a viewer made me feel a lot better about it. Because, you know, I mean, if you don't communicate with your audience, everything's just like this, this internal speculation, right? You're just sort of guessing at what you think is going to work. Now, Grant, I think there's like some compromise there, right? I don't think that I don't think you should be 100 percent audience driven. But I don't think you should be 100% selfish either. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. Because, you don't, you know, if the audience drives your content, but you hate that content and you just do it to please them, then you're, you know, you're going to burn out super fast, I think. But then if the only thing you ever do is focus on yourself and the things that you love, then, it, you know, I think your audience can feel kind of isolated, right? <laughs> if you never listen to feedback or, or you never take what they have to say seriously. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, so keep here,
0: going. Man. Just keep talking.
1: <laughs> no, I, I just like, uh, you know, it, it's long story short. I love the experience and I'm going to continue those morning streams. Uh, I'm just I'm probably going to take that advice and go back and forth between, you know, just relax, chill game discussion. Not, I mean, I'll probably talk about certain news bits when they come up. What I'm not going to do is I don't think I'm ever going to like start a morning podcast where I'm like, here's five articles from, you know, like you said, like Kotaku or IGN. Let's let's just name them all off. I think that would get really boring for me. Um, I don't think I could, could do that. And that's that's not a knock against the news channels, right? I mean, like, they love it, and, you know, some of them are a valuable source of information for me because I'm like, I'm not, not going to read these articles with my eyes. You tell me that while I'm playing a game or something, and, you know, you tell me what it says. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that I could take, like, like Google Stadia, for example. That's going to drop. That's been another polarizing topic among gamers.
0: My, I'm I pissed for, off because they want not send it to not. Hawaii. Right. We're in the wrong country. I'm like,
1: yep. and i I knew that you had some grievance with with stadia but like when that comes out like um like i pre-ordered mine mainly because it's just raw curiosity and i kind of respect what they're trying to and again i think the big selling point for stadia is that it's going to be better i think it's going to democratize content creation even more because i know people right now like i I have a buddy who i work with at GameStop because i i did i did start working at gamestop seasonally and uh he was like man he's like he's like you're streaming on youtube right and i was like yeah he was like how do i do that and i was like well i was like you could just do it natively from your playstation 4 um he's like well yeah i was like but i want to have like fancy effects do all this other cool stuff and uh you know i want to stream switch games i can't natively stream from the switch and i was like well you kind of got to get a pc and then you need a capture card and then you kind of yeah, you know, I started trying to like high level, just like the, the the bare minimum equipment you would need to make that happen. And then, but with Stadia, if you want to stream a game, like since it, since the game is already being played on their server, you don't even have to worry about getting a video stream out from your internet because it's just gonna come direct from their servers anyways. That is technologically amazing. Like yeah. that is an incredibly cool thing if it works and if they can build the audience. But I feel like they're in a real like uh, sort of a chicken and egg situation right now because it's like. I, I don't particularly think Stadia is amazing um, from a game perspective because they're not showing me anything new. Like your 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 coup de grace launch title is Destiny Two. Come on, I've been playing that for like two years. Like, show me an exclusive. But then also, it's not like how do you get a major publisher to commit to producing an exclusive for your platform when it's mm-hmm. unproven and hasn't even launched yet. So I feel like they're kind of stuck right now where it's like they can't really put out amazing exclusives that would draw in gamers or give them something exciting to to really get them going. Um, Yeah, it's it, – I'm not above talking about topics like that on the morning podcast is what I'm saying. Sorry, I just like totally segwayed. Like let me tell you about Stadium. <laughs> you <know. laughs>
0: Keep going, dude. It, the thing is, like, you know, and, and I've reached out to Google before. I've got some connections in the, with Google, and, and I just told them, like, look, the only reason I'm disappointed is because I can't get it. As a tech hit, and I think this is something you right. and I, we share in common, you know, we like new tech. Yes. And it's it's the idea. It's new. Let's talk about it. I mean, yeah, we could dive into, you know, how, you know, you get the content creators and journalists are saying they hate it because of this or they don't want a digital future or streaming future and it's like okay we're heading towards that it's just a question of when right but the reality is as tech heads we're curious about it we want to know how this works like oh, yeah. yeah you know and 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 that's where I'm at and I'm just frustrated and I I share that with Google I'm like look you know you're I if I can't order it now the, the infrastructure is not here in Hawaii I get it you know mm. that I'm not gonna cry over that but don't tell me I'm in another country my country's not <laughs> right just you know like that's a li- that's a little over the top god but anyway know. anyways yeah. um one of the things i, I really want to touch in you know since we're, we're coming up on the hour one hour mark you know i know we're, we're shooting for the marathon of five hours <laughs> well,
2: see. I've but, a lot of
1: monster today
0: but uh one of the things like i really want to touch on with you um and it's something that I think you are really phenomenal at is your, your cinematography and your videography. Like you. were you self-taught, uh, you know, with the exception of like you were saying like how your, your parents do how to do all this stuff too. Like, did you just go under their wing or did you, uh, Wow, Fabian said your blood is comprised of energy drinks.
1: He's he's not wrong. It's bad. Like, my dad yelled at me yesterday. He he was like, (laughs) What are you guys like getting energy drinks? He's like, Could you stop that? He's like, You know, you're getting closer to 40. Now I'm like, Yep, thanks for that genetic precursor. That's unsettling.
0: You know, you know, so funny is how, and I know I'm completely segueing here, but you know, you know how like when we're in our 20s, like, 30 doesn't seem like is that old and then when we hit 30 we're like fuck we're closer to 40. Yeah (laughs) yeah. I
2: I think it's like literally like
1: the second after I realized like yeah I turned 30 like in that moment I also realized like you know you're closer to 40 than 20 now and I was like oh god everything's fine (laughs) this is fine. <laughs> like, it's upsetting and but it's it's weird though too like uh, you know you see like certain celebrities that are you know up in their late 30s or 40s like you know like reynolds is ryan reynolds is in his 40s is isn't he? Mm-hmm. gotta be but like you know I, I i i always thought even when i was younger even before i got anywhere close to 40 like that it really was a mindset because I, I would meet people who were like in their late 20s that Mm -hmm. were living their lives like they were senior citizens and they were miserable and they were just like the best times of my life are over. And I think that's a real mindset thing, right? If you tell yourself like life is garbage because I've hit some arbitrary number, I I mean, then your life's going to feel like garbage, right? I mean, it's, it's all in, I think how, how you condition yourself. Um, If you surround yourself with a bunch of people who are, you know, of a, of a particular age and they're constantly just talking to making jokes like my life's over like i'll make them occasionally like in a self-referential like you know sarcastic way but if you legitimately surround yourself with people of like just a really negative debbie downer mindset you know mm-hmm. when it comes to age or something like that like you're gonna start feeling pretty crappy about yourself but you know like i don't aside from the a, a neck problem that, that i developed which apparently was a some degenerative disc disorder i have between my c6 and c7 i don't feel any different at 35 than i felt when i was 17. like a, a few more pounds not a lot okay i'm still pretty but <laughs> I, mostly like, I
2: feel all right
1: like, it's I don't, like
0: i'm still pretty
1: yeah like i don't like i just start, like break down crying in the middle of the podcast like he was not kidding about that identity crisis dude lost it on the kel show um but like you know I, I i think that you know a lot of people exaggerate just it's probably a coping mechanism right like nobody likes to think about like getting older and you know what all that entails is you know your your body starts turning on you and stuff but you know that's i think it's all a matter of perspective i'm, I'm a very glass half full kind of guy if you haven't noticed
0: <laughs> Dude, I love it. rogue dragon says and ginger he's still pretty and still ginger.
1: thank you rogue dragon <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive okay oh my it.
0: god no you know it was, it was so crazy it's like i i i know people that are in their 20s that do the same thing oh i feel so old i'm like how old are you They're like oh i'm 22
1: yeah like checkpoints in here he's like i'm 24 and i feel old sorry guys you're not the old fuck here you're with a baby. That
0: and i don't mean that like
1: some dismissive like you have no wisdom child sort of way i just mean don't sell yourself short <laughs>
0: You know, seriously. You know what's crazy is, um, you know how like I went to HawaiiCon for the to speak on a panel and mm-hmm. uh, do some interviews and stuff. So when I met met uh Vic Mijana, that dude is about to be sixty, right? And seeing him in person, he looks like he's like late twenties, early thirties, oh, wow. right? I was like, you know, when I, I was sitting and talking with him, I'm like, "You're how old." He's like, "Yeah, he's." I I grew up in the um, he said I grew up in the fifties. I was like. You're like,
1: like this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, but like, and again, like even like my parents, like my they're they're a real weird dichotomy. And I, like I, my mom is a very um, just very, not she's somewhere just shy of control freak. Like she's very focused. She has to have a plan. She's you know just very torqued up. My dad, like dude, just calms a Hindu cow, right? Very relaxed, very chill all the time. He doesn't know how to really flip out like nothing seems to rattle the guy ever um which is cool because i got to learn how to kind of you know not sweat the small stuff from dad but then also I, i'm pretty sure i inherited all the anxiety anxiety tendencies <laughs> from, my mom from a very weird combo um but you know like neither of them despite the fact like my dad's 60 and my mom i want to say she's 56 now i think um mm-hmm. But like neither of them like it's so weird because like they'll hang out with people who are like demonstrable like five or ten years younger than them but they look sound and act like 10 years older than my parents are. like my parents are just very like young at heart people like you know they just like even when it came to uh, what was it outer worlds came out the other day you know my dad's not calling me like well, you know my diabetes is acting up you know he'll just call me like are you getting outer worlds I got outer worlds are you getting out outer worlds like yeah, I'm getting out of worlds on game pass you scrub but nonetheless he's he's okay on ps4
0: your dad is awesome he's a trip trip. it's kind of like how my mom my mom is um she just turned 68 she doesn't look like she's in her 60s she looks like she's in her like late 30s yeah and um it's it's so crazy because like when i walk around people are like oh is that your older sister like no that's my mom (laughs) <laughs> nice. i'm sure she's thrilled thrilled with that by the way <laughs> but but you know, it's just crazy man when you think about it, like the whole thing about age and, and your mindset it really is i think for a lot of people they're young and it, it's really a mindset and one of the things that i you know since i turned 30 i, I made the determination that i was going to i'm, I'm 31 now mm-hmm. going on 32 but I I'm, I made it the, the decision that I was going to no longer surround myself with negative people. I was going to surround myself, not with the, you know, because That's there's liberating. two types of negative. It, it really is. It really is. But I, I what I've come to learn from removing myself from negative people is they come in two different flavors. There's the depressive negative person mm-hmm. slash pessimistic one. Right. And then there's the fake positive person. who's mm-hmm kind of negative and there's a lot of people like, like,
1: like fake positive like like sort of two-faced you mean like
0: yeah you okay. know the ones that always preach positivity but they're not really about that life <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean
1: <laughs> i i've heard rumblings yes
0: <laughs> so like what i've done is like it's been and it's so funny uh i made a i remember making a post um a year ago hmm. on facebook and apparently it pissed a lot of people off Because um, basically the gist of the post was that I'm, you know, I've made the decision that going forward that I'm just going to just, you know, uh, I'm just going to focus on me and focus on my family, focus on my future, what I'm doing going forward, because I don't, care about the drama you know i see a lot of people that are on here a lot of people that i know that are constantly talking about how depressed they are or how horrible life is and you know not touching on mental health issues because you know mental health is a real thing but that's not my specialty but there are some people that i you know and i and i said that there are people that i know that talk about how horrible their life is but don't have any sense of self-realization to realize that, hey, maybe you should stop making certain choices that you're making. Mm. You know, oh, I'm not, you know, my life's horrible. I can't get a better job. Well, why aren't you getting a better job? Oh, because this job won't hire me. Why won't they hire me? Because I don't have this qualification. Why don't you have that qualification? Oh, because, you know, the man told me down. Yep. I'm like, it sounds like a personal problem. You need to build a bridge. Get over it, right? <laughs> so and, you know, and, and you know, go ahead, go
1: ahead. Oh no, no, no! Finish the story. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was gonna say, and and what I I, I went in further, you know, exposition on it, and just said that you know, like, look, a lot of you guys are incredibly negative, you know, and I'm not trying to put anyone down, but I said my life is good right now. I said, you know, I got my wife, I got, you know, my health. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm at the time I was two years in remission from cancer. I'm like, I, I'm lucky. The 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 odds of someone surviving colorectal cancer is incredibly low. Mm. And, you know, I say I survived that. I beat it. You know, I'm in remission. And got a wife, got a house. I'm doing well. I don't need negativity. Right. You know, and a lot of people I used to run with because, you know, I used to be a club promoter i used to be out drinking at the bars and all that stuff and like now i'll drink wine or a beer here and there at home right. but like going out partying all that stuff getting fucked up that i'm like i don't have time for that there's nothing positive coming out of that
1: yeah it's i don't know that's one of the things that um i'm trying to think like you maybe think about like three or four different things just there but like i will say that like Go for gary it. b was talking about uh one of the things is like People will basically like spend money that they don't need to, to just like floss, to impress people. They don't even like that much. And I think yeah. one of the things that sort of leads, I think, to depressive tendencies, especially when it comes to social media, Facebook in particular, because Facebook is so like, like you know, Twitter, you know, like you, like you're way over in Hawaii, right? Most mm-hmm. of my Facebook friends are people I've known and have met in real life or in meat space, if you will, right? And one of the things about social media, like it's our natural inclination, we know all eyes are on us, is to sort of, you curate. And what you're getting is you're not truly getting a look at a person's life. What you're getting is this curated, edited highlight reel of their yeah. life. And if you, I, I think if you subject yourself to that over and over, and I think because human beings are naturally kind of wired for comparison and uh, the, uh, keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality, Facebook takes it to the nth degree in a timeline that will scroll forever if you just keep yeah. scrolling down, right? It's terrifying. And, you know, I think that it's so easy, like, if somebody's already in a place where they're like, man, I can't get a job, or I can't do this thing with my life that I want to, and then you're spending like six hours of your day scrolling through somebody's highlight reels for all these people in your immediate circle of friends or people that you know growing up like friends, a family and whatnot, and you're just bombarded with positive imagery from people like, look how great things are, look at little Johnny; he's learning to walk and all this stuff, like, I can see how that would do a number on people. But you're right, though, when you're talking about stripping out toxic people. I have no issue with that whatsoever. And I would, and, and that's the thing, like, I, it's not always easy because sometimes that toxic person in your life is your mom. It's your sister. Yeah. It's, like, your brother. It's somebody who's really close to you. And I wouldn't say that I advocate necessarily for, like, cutting people out entirely. Now, I personally do it. It's it's ruthless, and I'm not overly proud of it, but I've gotten really good at it. But Hounded. some, yeah, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, sometimes somebody just has to go. And But when it's somebody close to you like that, it's not even so much that you have to cut them out entirely, but limiting the amount of time you spend with that person yeah. uh, is, is probably something it's probably a good idea right because you know it's again i always go back to this example maybe it's cheesy but you know whenever you do that airline safety thing whenever the plane's about to take off they always tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you try to help other people like the same thing is very true of our emotional health right you may want to help your depressed friend you may want to help somebody who you know feels down on their luck or you know is is just overtly toxic but if you can't protect the asset and take care of yourself first you're not going to be in a position to help other people and the truth is you know Negative people will drag you down faster than you're going to be able to pull them up. It's yeah. very rare that I've even seen the latter happen. Um, one of the things that I've found, or, or one of the ways I try to conduct myself in life and online, I don't always hit the mark, but I try to, is I like to be absurdly nice to people, even people I don't necessarily agree with or have views who are very contrary to my own, because I gain nothing by getting into internet arguments in most cases, right? I'm never yeah. I, like, my self worth isn't determined by whether or not I convince you that Death Stranding is an amazing game. You can sit here and tell me, like, that game's garbage and I hate it. And I'll be like, that's cool, man. You want to get a pizza? Let's find something we can agree on. Like, I don't mind if we have disparate views. But
0: your mental Aikido is very strong.
1: Well, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't life's too short man and i don't i see people get all up in arms and i see the kind of drama that unfolds particularly among toxic individuals and in, in social yeah. in social spaces and i'm like this is the kind of stuff i don't like in real life i don't like it in my personal you know like like facebook feed either uh and i think making that decision i think it's a sign of emotional maturity really to say hey this makes me feel bad. I don't feel like myself when I'm constantly surrounded by things that are, are you know drag me down or they paint the world in a negative light, especially if you're not somebody who's predisposed to seeing the world in a negative light. If you're if you're if you're a sunshine and rainbows kind of guy, which I'm a big fan of, and you surround yourself by people like it, 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 have you ever heard of a book called The Tao of Boo? Mhm. Okay, then, then you know, like, in for, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, the, the author of, of Winnie the Pooh was uh, big into Taoism, right? I'm not an expert on Taoism, but I read the book, and it's very interesting. Essentially, Taoism splits people into certain archetypes, and those archetypes are reflected in the individual characters of Winnie the Pooh, right? You have people like Al, who is a pontificator, right? He delights in knowledge, for example. Then you've got people like Eeyore. Eeyore is constantly down the dumps. He's always pessimistic. He's, he's you know, generally very negative. Then you've got people like uh, like Tigger, who is overly excited about everything, oftentimes to his own detriment, right? that Even though he's very positive, it's not without, you know, some level of risk because he gets himself into trouble a lot. And then the the perfect, you know, example of Taoism, or I guess what you call the, the perfect aspiration of Taoism would be Pooh himself, which is what I think they call the uncarved block, right? Pooh mm-hmm. is not too hot. He's not too cold. He's what my father calls Goldilocks. He's just right. Very chill. You know, highs aren't too high. Lows aren't too low. Um, but when I see too many Eeyores start hanging around, I piece out real quick because I just it's it's not good. Like I just I can't I can't deal with it. puts me in a bad space.
0: No, and it's the same for me too. Like a lot of people, um, I've had a lot of people in Hawaii that um, you know I haven't spoken to in years, or they'll pop up because they see, oh yeah, you're doing YouTube. Oh, you got the podcast. Blah blah. blah. Oh, you know. Oh, I want to know about this. And then my the fact that I know them. already know their, their disposition is usually towards something negative. I either cut them off Mm -hmm. or I don't, I I disengage in a way that they won't come back.
2: Right. And And,
1: and that's the thing, like, like I, I've had people like that in my life and I don't overtly cut them off where they're like, Hey, do you want to hang it? I'm like, no, forget you. I'm done with you. Bye. It's not that blunt, but what it is, is I just, (laughs) I, I suddenly get very busy um and you know I, I think some of them pick up on the hand some of them don't but yeah there's really nothing i can do about that but the other way that i, I kind of look at that and it, it's one of the things because that's the thing like, it, it feels like a very selfish act right even if it mm-hmm. may technically be better for you emotionally to say uh, i'm going to limit my exposure to people who have this mentality because because it it you know affects how i feel mentally uh, it can still feel kind of selfish right because at that point it's a very it's a very powerful move for you to make a statement to, to say no to somebody essentially to kind of you know put up those boundaries but the other thing that that kind of helped me get through that was i realized that time i spend with somebody um who is is not bringing out the best version of myself it's time that i'm robbing of somebody who really deserves it like jason yeah. my roommate i love him like a brother uh time i spend with somebody who's going to be toxic and negative all the time or me trying to bring them up it's time i'm not spending with uh the, the dude who loves me you know, no matter what i do like you know like, who's going to be there for me no matter what? And he's never going to have, like, that consistently sort of negative outlook. So that, that's something else that made me – made the whole process a little easier for me to stomach, I
0: guess.
2: Yeah.
0: Definitely, man. Definitely. I – you know, I feel like we can keep diving into this more. But oh, – yeah. but – but – um, one of the things I do want to ask you mm-hmm. is about hot dogs.
2: Yes.
1: Lit. Absolutely.
0: Because Fabian asked that earlier, and an hour later, we're getting to it.
1: So. Yeah. so uh, here, <laughs> All right, so a little backstory on the hot dog situation. I thought Fabian was uh, drunk or overtly lying to me because he thought he could get over on me, but he wasn't. <laughs> he had told uh, tale. he spun some yarn about uh, a single lady selling hot dogs that he believed, like, in some uh, – creepy science fiction waste magically split into 50 clones of herself to distribute hot dogs to all of the E3 going masses. And we get to E3 and sure enough, there is an amazing hot dog vendor there, but not just one, they're everywhere. And like, I think we only yeah. saw one or two and we were all hanging out together. But then like when me and another uh, game collector, when me and Adrian were making our way back to the Airbnb, we passed like six of them in a row. Like those guys know how to set up camp quick and, and Babian's not wrong. All right. His wisdom is sound. Those are some of the be- best hot dogs I've ever had in my yeah. life. i i I did an e3 recap video a couple months ago i think and there's a brief section where i talk about the hot dogs and i in fact have footage of fabian eating one and he looks delighted uh and it was really good yeah it's true if you ever go to e3 don't buy hot dogs inside the venue it was going to cost more than the cheaper five dollar hot dogs you can get outside of the venue and those are infinitely better like Fresh vegetables, just you know, just just grilled right there in front of you. They do an amazing job. I'm pretty sure it's all illicit. I don't know if they they actually have a like a food vendor license or whatever proper credentials you need to do business in that way. But it doesn't matter. Treat yourself. If you get salmonella, it was worth it. They're gonna be tasty. <laughs>
0: Okay, and and, and let's talk about uh let's talk about E3 because one of the things like I I know I touched on this with uh with Fabian and I've also touched on it with a lot of people in the gaming industry that I've had on the podcast so far, but I am of this belief that there is a stark difference between watching E3 and physically being at E3. Yeah.
1: And and, and I gotta tell you, I, I say this as a complete hypocrite myself. Like prior to going to E3. I, I threw shade at E3 at least a little bit, which isn't normally my MO, but the, the the subject of video game marketing had come up. I think it was on one of the Chillcast episodes when we were talking about it. And I basically said that E3 was becoming less relevant every year. And I thought that it, it created a problem for consumers and for creators, because in addition to the not you not, not inconsiderate workload that a lot of these developers are under to, to reach deadlines and milestones to make sure that the game's going to be ready to go when it needs to go to satisfy things like you know management requirements or shareholder expectations then it's like okay they have to split a chunk of the time that they would spend either making the base game itself better or just getting it done period and now they have to worry about making this this, this showy expose of sorts surrounding the mm-hmm. progress they've already made on the game and I think that's rough because developers are already under a ton of pressure. Like, yeah, I mean you we've all read horror stories about the work weeks that some of these guys go through, like sleeping mm. under their desks, working eighty hours a week or whatever. But then to know that on top of that, they, they kind of have to burden themselves with this additional workload of getting ready for E3, which is basically the Super Bowl of video games, right? It's like, you know, it's a video game marketing mecca over there. Like, the entire city seems like a transforms. at least that's how it was when I was there. Um, and I basically was in the position that, you know, I, I think there are better ways to spend developer time. Um, and the other thing that I would say is that publishers have way better avenues uh, with which they can distribute their message. I, I point out Nintendo... Um, with the nintendo directs as a great example of that right they have a direct channel to their fans they don't have to rely on some mega press event to maximize their news coverage to kind of get word of their product out there they can go direct to consumer now and i think that's what a lot of businesses are are starting to wake up and realize sony even though they pretty blatantly copied nintendo in some pretty incredible ways with their strategy for it but yeah and basically you know that, that, that was the crux of my argument is that you know it's harder on developers it probably results in at least on some level a Mm -hmm. a lower quality product and also that there were just better ways to to get that information to consumers without having to burden developers in that way i guess
0: yeah yeah i mean and i i fully agree with you and it's you know one of the things i like i want to get your take on your experience was this wasn't was this your first e3
1: yeah and and this is where the hypocrisy comes in because i say it all i said all these things and I was like, yeah, that's right. We don't need E3. And then I went to E3, and I, I, I felt like I walked into Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You can't articulate that experience until you've actually been there, and you're actually yeah. bathed in the neon glow of a sea of video games and AAA publishers and merch booths. And uh, there's energy drinks everywhere. For me in particular, yeah. it was really great. Like, you know, they, they like the Red Bull girls were there. They were amazing. There was a, a rock star. There were rock star girls outside the venue. That was amazing. It Paris great with hot dogs. But when you go there, it, it, it's weird because I, I've never. And I think it's weird. I, I think I'm actually going to do a podcast episode specifically about the, the you know the loss of the midnight launch and how I hate that that trend is fading away. But if you've ever had that feeling. Right. If you've ever gone to a midnight launch for a a new game that was releasing or if you've ever gone to a tournament for a game like Smash Bros tournament, something like that, then, you know, the feeling of being completely surrounded by and inundated by gamer culture in a significant way where, you know, you can't throw a rock and not hit somebody who is super excited for video games the way that you are. But then you take that to the extreme of what, 30, 40,000 people going through it there every day. Is that those numbers, right? And you're surrounded by it at a scale you've never seen before. And when you're surrounded by it, the energy there and the fact that you are just bombarded with hot, just, you know, high price spectacle from every angle where literally entire skyscrapers become advertise uh, you know, advertisements <laughs> right. for doom infinite. Uh, it's, it's something you should experience. Like, it, it, and what, what, makes me sad now is it may fade out of existence right for the reasons i've outlined it may be the e3 becomes less and less relevant as years go on and one day they close up shop entirely that could maybe happen and if it does or if it's if it is headed that way get in while you can at least experience it once yes i think it's unfair to developers yes i think there are better ways to get that information out to consumers but i really like the hot dogs and i really think you should do this for yourself i feel so hypocritical i'm sorry it's worth seeing once that's what i'm saying Oh, they got, right, got me, Mario. You're right. You got me. I'm sorry. The combination of pretty lights and hot dogs and and Red Bull girls—it was all too much. I'll go every year I can, Mikhail. E3 forever. You're a player too,
0: <laughs> dude. That that um that that dragon was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah the Iceborn dragon. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy rad,
2: dude.
0: It's, you know, and that's one of the things like I is maybe, you know, especially this year. I think this year for me as a whole, my perspective as not only a content creator, but as a gamer and an entrepreneur has shifted a lot, you know, Mm. with the with the fact that, you know, I went to E3. This is my first E3 too. You know, and I, this is my badge, Yep, my exhibitor. I had an exhibitor badge.
1: Yes, I remember
0: so it's like being able to go to e3 being able to sit and talk with people in the industry you know and understanding that they're on a completely different aisle than us as a consumer so this is why like when i you know before i used to have the same mentality you had like okay e3 is irrelevant blah blah blah. you know i i was the same way Mm -hmm. until i went and then i got to experience it and then i've built connections because I think E3 also, if you're a content creator and even if you're not a content creator, if you're a gamer, it is a very opportune time to market yourself. Right. Yeah. And make connections and understand like really for me, like the things that, you know, we can get together as gamers and and hyperbole about things that we think are going on in industry. And I used to do that. And then until I started talking to people in the industry and they're like, that's not even remotely close. So, you know, it's kind of like a whole paradigm shift. Right. And it's, it's like, I I really implore to you guys. Like if you guys in the chat, if you have the opportunity to go to E3, uh, I would go. I would, I, it's honestly one of the best experiences for, that i've ever had and i think you guys really enjoy it i i love the analogy josh made of comparing it to like the midnight release because that that really has gone away i mean we've got to get to a point now where it's like oh you know if you've got xbox instead of waiting to midnight six you know usually 6 p.m if you're here in hawaii right you can just start playing the game you know, you know this, <laughs> like, this,
2: does beg an,
1: this does beg a like a like a, a, an interesting question though should your desire for E3 hot dogs be really be weighed against the you know the working conditions of an entire industry just to prepare for that event? Can you make that call? Doesn't it feel a little selfish? I would say it does, but as long it as does. they're still doing it, I mean, those are some good hot dogs. I'm not going to sit here and say that my desire for said hot dogs should outweigh the livelihood of all those you know tens of thousands of employees and their families. But I'd do it again. I will say that. <laughs> So and the midnight launch, oh, man, that, it, it's so sad. And I like the midnight launch because, like, even for games that didn't do it up in a hugely fantastical way, right, like they just happen to be selling it at midnight. You see all these people standing around just sort of like like looking around at cashiers, just kind of wondering, looking at their watches as it gets closer to midnight. And, you know, you can talk to any one of those people about the game that's coming out and you know you're going to get it right. Nobody's hanging out at midnight at Walmart because they're like, "Ooh, Princess Diaries 2. Midnight guys, we're gonna we're gonna get it. Like no, you're there for the next Halo or whatever it is. Also, I I, I would like to say on the side, note, I, I actually really like the Princess Diaries. That's guilty pleasure. <laughs> so,
0: so it is kind of crazy how you, uh, myself, Adrian, uh, Fabian, and even uh, Miss D J M. We were all at E three this year. I'm jealous because she got to sit in for the entire Microsoft uh, conference.
1: I'm Wait, so what? I'm jealous. Who
0: uh Miss DJM. She oh, was okay. there for the, she got the invite. oh she
1: got to see Keanu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I am jelly of them. <laughs> so you got you got to be told directly by the man himself, Miss, that you were yeah. breathtaking. That had to feel good.
2: Right?
0: Right. But you know, this is one of the things, like the food, the hot dogs outside were absolutely phenomenal. That breakfast we had was good. Breakfast was good. You know, and it just one of the things too, like if you guys go to E3, I strongly implore you to make sure you've got um some comfortable shoes to walk in because you're going to oh, do a yeah. lot of walking.
1: <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what. Don't uh, pro tip for E3 if you're going there as a YouTuber, you don't need a ton of gear. I took way too much gear, and I thought I was packing light. And by the time I got there, I looked at Adrian when we were at the Airbnb. I was like. I'm not taking this camcorder, dude. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my, my Osmo pocket, my little candy bar camera, which is amazing piece of tech, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and all the footage I used from that from that E3 recap video was from either my iPhone or from the, the DJI Osmo pocket, and it looked great. So I mean, could I have stepped up the production value tremendously if I had taken like a DSLR and really, you know, brought like a bunch of lenses and stuff? Probably, but it was unnecessary for what I do. I'm not saying like if you like fancy stuff, don't bring it. I'm just saying be prepared to haul it around, right? Yeah. If that Stranding gives you even the slightest semblance of how horrible it is hauling gear on your person, you're going to feel it in a more significant way on the E3 floor, I
0: promise you. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things, like, I've been talking to Mr. DJM, like, for the next time I go to another event, uh, like E3 or maybe PAX or whatever. Uh, of having like a mobile setup because you know that's one of the things she has like she took her she just did all her interviews she got to interview uh the creator and producer of um uh cyberpunk 2077 oh wow that's awesome so her and her show which is a show radio podcast her and her co-host uh they got they got the exclusive interview with them. Mm-hmm. and it was just absolutely insane. I'm like, wow, you did all that from your phone connected with your uh, I think, and Mr. G- DJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you use your XLR mics into your phone, and it's just it was oh, right. amazing setup. Right, right, right. So, you know, definitely one of the things like you know, I would say, uh, uh, E3 starter pack if you're gonna go there and you're a content creator, um, business cards. Yes. Uh, network. And that's one of the things too. I brought a hundred business cards and ran out, trust and believe that's not happening. Right. <laughs> this, I bought like a, uh, about 3000 business cards. You need to um, have business cards, um, talk to people who are in the industry because you never know where that's going to get you. You never know how that's going to be able to positive, positively impact you and your brand. Right. Because one of the things, you know, as a content creator, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that you need a bigger YouTuber to shout you out so you can get growth and traction on your platform. The thing is that, you know, that doesn't always work. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. Mm. Uh What I have noticed is if you get in with a company, you've got a machine behind you. Right. You know, like the shirt I'm wearing now. This is one of my sponsors in Sergo, which mm. they do stuff with Capcom. Right. So I've got... And Sergo behind me. I've got Capcom behind me, you know, with since I befriended uh Kathy Cackley. I've got uh Bandai Namco, I've got Nintendo, I've got all these companies behind me, and it's like a lot of people look at me like, Oh, you only have eleven thousand subscribers. I'm like, Yeah, but the number doesn't matter. It's yeah. the fact that you I have built and curated these relationships right with these companies. <laughs> and, and, oh I'm sorry. No oh, no no, go ahead, go
1: ahead. No, no, I, I was gonna say to, to your point, like that's one of the things that, and I, I think one of the morning live streams was about chasing the numbers because so many people get wrapped up in um, things like view count, subscriber count and all that stuff that that's, mm-hmm. that's really all they see. Um, but again, it's like, you know, subscriber count is, is not, it, it's not the end all be all necessarily. Like you can buy subscribers. You can um, you know, you can create videos that get you subs rapidly that are targeted to do that. Like, Hey, if I'm doing a giveaway, if you subscribe, you get a chance to win it. I mean, you can pump your numbers real quick. But yeah. not all subscribers are created equal, right? You can have valuable members of your audience, people who care enough. Like, that, you know, for me, like in the chat here, like Fabian or Mara or yourself or anybody else who I know from from the Year Player Two channel, um, that I, I know these people, right? And you start to you know, develop a relationship with them, and you know, you, you build friendships with people online. Um, but it's not the same thing. It's like you know, I've I've seen people have a hundred thousand subscribers, and like they get no comments, their content doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and the other thing too is like a lot of people will say, oh, I want hundred thousand subscribers, and I'm like, okay, what then? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what happens at 100,000 subscribers? And they're like, what? Well, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, you should probably think about that before you tell me you need 100,000 subscribers because mm-hmm. if you get to the point where you're playing at 100,000 subscribers or more, and you don't have an idea of like, you know, what are the revenue streams that I've set up, or how am I positioning myself as a brand, or you know, um, what is the long-term legacy that I'm looking to build here, or what's my ongoing, pro- you know, value proposition. I mean, you might get a fancy plaque, but that's about all you're going to get. I mean, you really need to to think about that kind of stuff. That's another reason that when we were talking about being toxic, um, sadly, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, even though we, we... Playing in the video game industry um, in what is essentially a very playful space, it's not immune to drama. And in fact, there's tons of drama in the gaming community, whether that's like breaking policies from AAA publishers, uh, the way something gets mishandled like Blizzard did, um, or just you know, beefs that YouTubers have with each other. I mean, there are so many different, you know, just dramatic things that kind of pop up. And I always advise people like, not to get mired in that sort of stuff. And one of the reasons that I say that is because of kind of what you've outlined here. That is, you never know if the first person who's going to watch your video, you never know if the person, first person who's going to see that tweet is going to be like, you know, Uh, the the head of marketing for Nintendo or some other major industry contact. And if the first exposure that they have to your brand is you tearing apart some other company or just starting random fights when you don't need to or just getting, you know, sort of embroiled in these squabs with people that are completely unnecessary, they're not going to want to do business with you. I'm not risking my brand's reputation on somebody who's a loose cannon or somebody who's going to throw people under the bus every opportunity. Uh, I just think that's incredibly bad business. I'm not saying you need to go into your YouTube channel with the mindset of just like, you know, the most efficient capitalist imaginable but if you can hold yourself back or make some good choices you will probably open more doors of opportunity for yourself if you can refrain from doing those kind of things
0: no that's it's absolutely true and that's one of the things like okay we can dive into that right now um the business aspect of being a, a content creator and youtuber and the marketing behind it because that's one of the things that i see a lot of content creators they don't understand they really don't get to that part that you never know who's watching, and from all the industry people that I'm friends with, I've interviewed and talked to, they are always watching. When you tag a company, someone looks at what you 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 post, right? You know, and you could bash a company. Like I know there are YouTubers that like to bash Capcom or bash Nintendo or bash Microsoft. You know, that's kind of the bandwagon thing now is to bash anything Xbox, mm-hmm. and then they want to review something or work with a company and then don't understand why they get denied. What they don't understand and this is something I want to clue the audience into the gaming industry just like the tech industry it's big but it's small. Right. Everyone knows everyone or it's a method of six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. You badmouth one somebody knows if right. not everyone. And it's real easy to get blacklisted. And so the, you got the people who are just wild cannons. And, you know, some people say, oh, I just want to be real and be raw and say this. You can be critical of something in a respectful, creative, yeah. constructive criticism, criticizing way.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, you, 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 know. you literally just took the point right out. Because I was about to say, like, a lot of these people are just like, no, I'm just being real. I'm just being authentic. You can be real and authentic without being a jerk. You can yeah. provide constructive criticism without being a dick bag about it. There are ways that you can deliver this information that does not you know, make you look like a chump. And one of the best ways you could do that is to just be honest. But one of the things I do with criticism, especially for games, right, because first off, if I'm somebody who's like, man, how come I'm not getting more review codes for publishers? Did you throw some publisher under the bus when you played their game without being professional in the way that you doled out that criticism? Because one of the best ways you can do that, like if I'm going to criticize the game in most cases um, and I have something negative to say because I won't lie to my audience. If I think a game is garbage or if I think that there are parts of it that don't work for me, don't appeal to my interests, or if I think they are objectively or technically broken that I can point to in a measurable sort of way. Uh, I normally don't just rip into the game and leave it at that. I will usually say, here are some of the ways that I might've improved it. Because one, not only are you being true to your audience by telling them the things that you don't like or the things that they may not find enjoyable, but then two is like, you're giving legitimate, perhaps actionable feedback to the publisher of that game for ways that they might improve it. Whether that's through a patch, maybe that's for a sequel to that game in the next effort where they can, they can, you know, make improvements, but you know, you don't have to just like completely. Now some reviewers do it for comedic purposes, right? That's I mean like angry video game nerd. Yeah. Yeah, this dude's ripping on games that were published like 30 years ago but that, that's a little bit different i'm talking about people who uh, go out of their way to be toxic or to just burn bridges that they haven't even built yet yeah. and it kills me because i just you know i i don't know I, I i hate to see it because i think some of these people are doing damage to themselves and their brand and they yeah. they, they can't even see it and it's like i don't know i it's depressing <laughs> to see
0: no, it really is, you know. And one of the things, like I keep telling people, like your social media presence. If you're a content creator, um if there, you have to understand it when it comes to social media. What you put out there, you can't take back. Yeah. No matter if you delete it, it's always there. It can always be used against you. And I'm not saying you've got to be like a priest or a nun right. online. I'm just trying to give you guys heads up to say that if you're looking to work in not only the games or tech industry, you know, but just, I mean, this can affect you in any other business. Like maybe it's a job you're trying to go for and they see how you conduct yourself online. Like, and even if you private your accounts, that doesn't mean that you can't, that can't get out because there are ways to get that. It's just conduct yourself in a way as if the best opportunity is right around the corner and can just fall in your lap. Right. You know, and you're ready to take the reins and run with it.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I keep my channel as family friendly as I can. I don't go take it to such an extreme that I won't play a game that drops F bombs. Cause I like to play what I enjoy. And most people don't freak out as much about you know video game, you know, content, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not that I like never curse. It's not that I never have bad days. It's never, it's never that there's, you know, times where I'm not just incredibly frustrated with somebody online. Those things happen, but I just have enough restraint to not bring it to camera, right? There's nothing wrong with having a bad day needing to vent to a close friend. Like, so, I mean, some of you in private chats I've talked to and I've had a bad day or something, you know, popped up that bugs me. The stuff that I would never say on, on YouTube um, you know, like, like on a camera or something like that. It's not so much that it's disingenuous, it's just like, you have, I think you have to just know your audience and know what you're out to accomplish and know like there's a time and a place for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Not everything that, that rolls into my bad days is something that I need to make public knowledge in, in everybody that goes out, right? Maybe if I was like a vlogging or a lifestyle type content creator, but that, that's, that's not really who I am. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that people, like you said, I, I think they get tripped up on that whole thing. Like, Oh, I'm just being genuine. I'm just being real with people like you can but it, i mean it's like what's that old joke where it's like if, if your wife asks if if she looks fat in these pants like what are you going to say <laughs> like you know i mean it's it's not a lie but you have to got to pick your battles i think
0: pick and choose and yeah. choose wisely <laughs> right right so you know, I don't but know. it and also in the sense of uh you know t- touching on marketing um what are ways that you think are effective ways for a content creator to to market themselves, not only to other content creators, you know, but also to, like, an audience and ultimately to companies that, that they would like to either work with or get sponsorships or endorsements with? Um, like, I, I, I kind of want to know, like, what are some of your thoughts?
1: Like, are we talking, like, tactics or just, like, general principles? Like, I mean, you mean, so just advice I would give to another either content or. creator? Okay. So I, I think the best... Um, <laughs> uh the best marketing in the world uh in my opinion and i'm I'm paraphrasing here is just just like give a cramp about people like just care one of the best things you can do or one of the best ways you can market yourself is to genuinely care and i think a lot of people they they get some of that and what they'll do is they'll be like oh you're right i need to raise exposure for myself i'm gonna go comment on 300 videos and say hey come subscribe to me that's not genuine caring that's being spammy if you know, yeah. if you want to connect with other people in a genuine way, then you have to take in their content and connect with them when you have to actually like it. Right. And then leave more than a comment that's just like, Hey, what's up? Or, Hey, great video. Because there's, there's no meat. There's no substance there. Like if you really care about somebody, it's going to show through in your actions and the effort that you take. I would say the best marketing is, uh, to just legitimately care about your audience, you know, be very invested in, you know, the content that you create, but by and large it's to just, just be a good person. I think people overcomplicate Marketing, right? They think that marketing is just throwing up billboards everywhere. And it's not I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for billboards. I'm not saying that you should never self promote online. Because I mean, you know, you can't depend on somebody else to do it unless you're paying to run ads or something like that. But ultimately, uh, I would say the other thing is, don't make it all about you make it about your audience you know think about the things that they're going to enjoy uh, again there's there's a compromise there right don't don't take that to the extreme where you're never doing anything that you enjoy and it's just a slog for you but at the same time if the only thing you ever do is expect people to care about you and what you create and your views and your opinions and the only thing you, the only time you ever post on social media is to talk about how awesome you are you're doing it wrong Twitter is a cocktail party. It's not a billboard. So if you never say anything, if you never talk to anybody, the only thing you ever say is like, hey, come look at this sweet review I did, you guys. People get sick of it real quick. And at best, you will be a minor annoyance. And at worst, you're going to get blocked or unfollowed because it just just gets tedious. You know, talk to people. It's social media talk to people engage get to know some other people like step outside of your comfort zone look for collaborative opportunities with other like-minded creators that you respect and admire like michael casanova um hey, but you know it's, <laughs> it's, yeah like you know and the other thing i, I don't do i'm i never really sensationalized um And what I mean by that is usually like when people put stuff out, like they put like a ton of exclamation points. They're just like, go click this now. Like, and and that's like marketing 101, right? You want to have distinct calls to action. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. Like, you know, even in our videos, we say like, hey, make sure you subscribe and I'll put calls to action in occasionally, but I don't overdo it. I think people are so conditioned to being oversold. And I think that's really on account of, Uh, one like stereotypes, like you know, like the sleazy used car salesman, for example. But then also, as the web kind of grew up and matured, we used to see banner ads everywhere. And you know, the pop ups used to be way worse than they are today. But you know, I think that we're just so conditioned to be advertised to that. I think we've just learned to kind of like tune everybody who has anything promotional to say out like white noise. So, I think the other thing too is to get more creative with your approach. Like, um, normally, what I do, like, if I share one of the videos that I've made on Twitter. I don't put a call to action like click here, go subscribe, go check it out right now. Your life's going to end tomorrow. I feel like that immediacy is just – I feel like people are just numb to it. So the way I do it is I put out a video and I explain in the text clearly what the value proposition or why I made it. And I might whip like a little joke in there, but I don't even tell people to click on it um and you know it, it's not that i don't want people to click on of course i want people to click on and engage with the video but i also know that you know people's time is valuable if it does appeal to them then whatever i've said or whatever's in that thumbnail is going to speak to its own merit so i don't have to spend extra time and energy convincing you you know like if it's something that resonates with you you're going to click on it and i super appreciate that and if you like it enough you'll leave a comment which i love so much as long as you've got something great of, or even even if you're a troll i love you too you make my life better in ways that are different but still palpable um, but, but yeah, I just, you know, the way I see it is, I, I mark my approach to marketing is almost not to market. I'm not saying that I, yeah. I never do any form of advertising. I just keep it as chill as possible all the time because I know that for me it's super off-putting it Like when you go to a store, and it, it's weird. Like even the, I don't know if I can say this, but GameStop's training materials actually even talk about this now, having recently gone through them myself. Yeah. But it used to be that if you went at a store, any major retailer, you would just get hounded. By an associate, yeah. the second you walk in the store, people don't like that. People have like this personal space, right? And I think that even extends to like their ancillary attention when they're scrolling through a feed of tweets through Facebook, whatever. And I think the second they see exclamation points and a bunch of imperative statements like "Go do this," I think they're just like "Nope," and they just push it away. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is, if you're seeing what I have to offer, you've probably already looked at my feed or. Or or you saw somebody else reply to me on Twitter and you you probably look through what I have. And you're like, you know what, this guy seems pretty chill. I want to see if he says anything else that's like funny or interesting or something that might align with my interests. And if so, and and you dig it, great. But the other thing too is like, I'm patient. I don't know how long it takes for me to go full time on YouTube. I may never get there. But I just know that 100% if I stop making content, if I stop trying, that's the only way I'm 100% certain to fail as long as I'm trying things, there is some percentage that I succeed and I can live in that space for a very long time. So, you know, when people are like, Hey, you're doing that wrong, you should be doing giveaways. You should be doing all this. You should be push yourself. You should have 50,000 subscribers. I'm like, I'd rather do it my own way. I'd rather organically grow my audience. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being tactical. I'm not saying that you shouldn't optimize for search or keywords or something like that. What I'm saying is I'm not so married to the idea of instant success uh, or shortcuts that I'm willing to start, you know, uh, bashing people 24 hours a day with it i think you should be making content at scale i think you should be making a ton of different content on platforms where it's relevant but at the same time i don't think you should come off like that used car salesman where it's like you know you're just beating the message into people's brains i guess
0: no i agree with you and uh, i know for me um I'm actually going to touch on the fact of something you said before, like with the identity crisis thing, because I kind of have that myself at times, um, especially for the last year. It is. It really is. It's really rough. And, you know, for me, I started out um, just doing unboxing videos and I did, uh, you know, because I've been in YouTube for about three and a half years. So, like, I, I started off unboxing videos then reaction videos. Remember when those were the big thing? Yeah. <laughs> reaction videos. So I was doing that and then you know I transitioned over to doing the video game reviews and then you know that transitioned you know after some drama last year uh, with a bigger YouTuber it transitioned into me doing podcasts and then for a while I was just doing podcasts and then it got to the point where I was like okay I'm bored with that I want to mix something else in and then I started doing streams and now I'm back at doing reviews and it's, it's funny because I have three different audiences and sometimes they do cross correlate, sometimes they don't. Mm. But um, I have taken that approach because I've seen when you try to market, I've seen the metrics of doing trying to market versus not, right. And just putting it out there. <laughs> when I do uh, promotions for my um, my podcast, you know, the pin tweet is usually a snippet mm. of the podcast, right? You know, it's got the, the thumbnail of the person transitioned to the video and then to the podcast logo where you can find it. And then I've noticed that draws way more traction to my podcast right. than just me saying, Hey, click here. Yeah. Right now. Or cut your head off.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing like it's 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 not it's not completely unfair. Like there is data to back up that, like yes, a call to action will improve click-through rates or or the likelihood someone will buy your product or service if you're doing more conventional marketing like outside of the web. Like there is merit to that. I, I think the problem is that when people take it to the extreme and then you've got like a a whole generation of people that are trying to be entrepreneurs right now and they're all just bombarding every conceivable social because market marketers ruin everything right a a platform is cool and then people see there's an audience there and then they're like how do i sell things to them how do i make this a profit a a profitable place for my business or for myself and then the marketers show up and they, they screw everything up and then it's not cool anymore and then you know new communities pop up and at first it's small or it's it's quiet or it's slow or it's exclusive And then, or or the people are dismissive, like TikTok right now. Everyone's dismissive of TikTok. They're like, oh, that's just dumb. That's for kids. That's what people said about Facebook like 10, 15 years ago. And now your grandma's on Facebook. So, uh, you know.
0: I got some things to say about TikTok, but
2: keep going.
1: No, I'm just saying, like that's usually how these online communities work is it's like, you know, something gets super popular and then ads start ruining everything in it and it becomes boring or not the cool place to be. Then a smaller scrappier version of it starts to emerge with a slightly different feature set. And, you know, it's like the sharks can't quite smell the blood in the water yet. So they're still at a distance. And then once it hits a point of critical mass, then you just see, you know, and that's really a twofold problem. One is you see business opportunists who see a growing community and they see opportunity there, so they're going to invade. And two is the people who usually create those communities, especially if it's a free community. Well, there is no free, right? I mean, companies need to make revenue to survive. So when you use a free platform like, a free platform like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, you are probably the product. And what I mean by that is advertisers are probably paying for the privilege of getting access to the data that you know that company has collected on you while you use that app. Um sorry, <laughs> the lighting messed me up. Um so wait, where was I going with this? I totally lost my train of thought Mikhail help me. <laughs> uh all it took with the lighting change
0: uh you're talking about uh you are the product The, the,
1: the, the right consumer. right right. oh no, no, okay so lo- what i'm saying is like eventually that's that's what i was saying like it's, it's a two-fold problem one is like business opportunists you know will see that like hey there's money to be made on this platform that's slowly getting mm-hmm. bigger and on the flip side the people who created the product are probably getting pressure from like like Shareholders or angel investors, or whatever it is, like, hey, you have to figure out how to turn a profit. Whether that means you're going to start selling stuff, or you're going to start selling ads, or you're going to start, you know, putting microtransactions in whatever it is that you have to do. Like, well, I need a return on my investment for this free thing that you've given to the masses.
0: No, no, and, and you know, to touch on the whole topic of TikTok, um, there's so many creators I know that are sleeping on TikTok. So many people saying that, oh, I'm, I'm sleeping on TikTok. TikTok. You know, they say, "Oh, I don't understand it. It's stupid. I don't get it." And I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing the potential. Like I'm seeing people do one of two things: make stupid videos, or make videos to get you to go somewhere else. Right. And it's like, you know, a lot of these creators I that I've talked to, and I'm like, "Yo, stop sleeping on TikTok. Get one. Start promoting yourself. Whatever." And 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 I tell people. You can put the same one-minute video that you chop up into twenty-five-second on in stories, right? On Instagram stories, you can put that same video on TikTok,
2: right?
1: With like a few modifications, yeah. Like, and that's one of the the things. Like, when it comes to Gary, I know I keep talking about Gary V. but if nobody here is familiar with Gary Vay- Gary Vaynerchuk and you're a serious creative operating in the space or you're an entrepreneur, you need to be watching him like every day of your life. He's incredible. Yeah but one of the criticisms he always gets is he talks a lot of like rah rah theory like get people pumped up and not always like super actionable steps but that's because his whole message is like watch what he's doing and and do that you know don't listen to what he's saying watch what he's doing and what he does and this was great on one show and i i have to remember which which episode it was or, or which youtube video but he actually had a link in the description i went to his site and he literally laid out an 85 page pdf of how they make content for for Vayner nation and everything right And what they do is they start with a big piece of content right? like maybe Gary goes and he gives a talk or something, right? And it's an hour long thing. They will take that. They will be like, okay, we are going to take these five excerpted quotes from his talk and turn those into tweets on Twitter. Or we're going to take these things that he said, and we're going to lay them over uh, inspirational imagery to distribute this on Instagram. Or, hey, we're going to take these video clips where he really engaged with the audience and said something funny. And those are going to become short videos that we put out on TikTok, like, like, like platform relevance is a big deal like some people will just assume like because they take an amazing picture and put it out on twitter that's not going to have the same impact if you put that amazing picture on instagram where people expect a steady stream of visual content that's usually rooted within like a particular interest right Mm -hmm. so that's um when you say like people sleeping on tiktok i'm sleeping on tiktok because i don't know how to be funny in videos i don't think and that's something I have to I'm I'm curious about because I've created a TikTok account. I followed a few people on TikTok. I don't fully understand the platform, but that's the thing. That's not a good enough excuse. I, and I'm not I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just telling it, you know, how it is from my perspective. Because when people are like, oh, well, I don't know how to make good YouTube videos. I don't know how to make stuff for TikTok. Go to Google figure it out because every minute you're telling me you can't do something there's like a 13 year old in a garage or in a basement somewhere who's just out working you every single day yeah like you can tell me like oh i just don't know how to do that and that's fine if that's if that's your position and that's really going to be the thing that holds you back you can do that but don't complain when you're like you're like the next logan paul blows up or whatever off TikTok or something like that you're like well that could have been me you weren't putting in the work like you know if you're like well i didn't know how that's fine if you're comfortable with that fine. But there's Google. There are other people you can talk to who are thriving. You could hit them up, say, Hey, how did you do this? Like, how did you make your text look like this in this video? Or, Hey, what have you found to be effective? Uh, you know, on Instagram or whatever it is like, you've got resources, the world's libraries at your fingertips. There are options for you.
0: It's just, it it really, that ties into people just lacking initiative, you know? And I think a lot of people have that. And, you know, like I, I shared on my, uh, my stream last night i talked about how i didn't know how to use photoshop or any of that and then i paid who i thought was a friend to uh who they offered to do like my old logo and banner and all that and they charged me three hundred dollars and then i found out how to do it and i'm like holy shit all i had to do was just google this right and figure it out myself yeah and you know one of the things like and I, i i agree with you if you are a content creator who's serious about this, you need to be following Gary Vee. Yeah. You know, and the one of the things that I have, you know, done. Like I he was talking about TikTok for months and then I hopped on it and I have seen my numbers, you know, on my podcasts. Like the the Apple podcast, the Spotify, the Pandora Analytics. Got right. Because I'm using TikTok to promote my podcast. I've seen my YouTube videos do better just because I'm promoting all all, in literally you don't even have to be funny. Literally you can take like Josh, if you were to take like a highlight of your, any of your videos or your live streams and chop it up into a minute and you could, you know, whatever you want to do with it, or if you want to do a montage of those clips, Mm -hmm. just upload it, you know? And then from there, use hashtags put one trending hashtag and that's one of the things like i i um i've talked to i've talked on a couple of my streams before about is utilizing a trending hashtag and then something relevant because the trending one draws eyes to what you're doing right. relevant draws the eyes of the people who are looking at what you're talking about right and make sure you got a descriptive post so people can consume it and it's it's not you know, the, the one thing about content creation, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with and don't get is it's work. You are your marketer. Oh, yeah. You're your videographer. <laughs> you're your agent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's something else that I would say, too, is like a lot of people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, OK, well, there's other options. Do you have money? Go pay someone to do it for you. Like if you yeah. if you don't have money, then it's on you to learn or to like, you know, to, 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 to bribe your buddy who knows how to do that thing with like a free burrito to see if it'll help you out. But short of that, you know, if, if you've got money, you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. You may never have to learn how to do that, but, you know, start throwing money at the professionals who know what they're doing to help you out. If that's the only thing that's stopping you is like, Oh, I can't pick the right font for this advertisement. Go throw some money at the problem. That's an idea. You know, you don't have to yeah. sweat the fact that you don't know the perfect proportions of graphical design and, and, or graphic design and, and, you know, how to display an ad properly, like find somebody who's an expert. Yeah.
0: And uh, one of the other things I want to ask you about is uh making money as a content creator mm-hmm. and uh patreon you know there's this uh this weird animosity towards content creators for having patreon mm-hmm. and I find it weird
1: what's I, the I wh- what's the root of the animosity like what what's their position
0: well you know I've heard some critics you know, I'm not gonna say names and, and give them publicity sure. but I've heard some critics uh state that if you're making YouTube videos you shouldn't be trying to gouge money out of your audience for whatever and my thing is if you're making YouTube videos if you're relying and okay I'm gonna go a little raw here sure if you're going if your whole basis of your brand your business and how you expect to, be a content creator. If the whole crux of that is the ad revenue you make from YouTube, you're gonna be fucked.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I not not to mention like so you saw the the child. Um, what was it? the uh, the child targeting guideline thing that YouTube changed recently yeah. that impacted a bunch of people's revenue. That's another reason not to do it, is just from a, an economic standpoint. If you put all of your eggs in the AdSense revenue basket, you are completely at the mercy of Google if they change anything that affects that and you can't do anything about it. You're just going to be like, I make X amount of dollars, then one day you're going to wake up, you're going to be like, oh, I'm making Y less amount of dollars because of something that was completely beyond my control. For, for somebody who says you shouldn't gouge your audience for um for money as a creator. Uh I think that's really dumb and dismissive. And the reason I say that is because first off, a lot of people don't feel gouged if they're getting legitimate value, like if somebody, you know, decides that they want to be a member on my channel or, or you know support me on Patreon or or do like a super chat like like checkpoints did earlier. That's because they and they're they're enjoying what I'm doing enough to to do that, right? Because essentially what we're doing as creators unless You know, we reach a certain point of critical mass where AdSense revenue becomes viable. Is we're working for free? We take we take on all of the risk, right? We sacrifice our time, energy, emotional bandwidth. um, You know, time, energy, emotional bandwidth, money. um, You are socialized. Like there are so many sacrifices you have to make just to be able to jump in front of a camera and do this podcast right now. um, That to say, like, oh, you you just don't deserve to be compensated for that. You shouldn't be gouging people. Get out of here! Shut up! I mean, if you if you're a you know if you're a critic and the only thing you have to do is to talk about how I should conduct my business, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I think that's completely absurd. Like everybody in almost every creative field finds some way to monetize. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I think there. Can, I think you can do monetization in an unethical way. I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't people out there who who don't do shady things in the interest of getting money. Um, but what I'm saying is just the concept that creatives should be paid for their work. I don't even know where you would get that idea. Like that seems completely absurd to me. Yeah. Like, like why shouldn't people be paid for their work? Like
0: because you know this this one very vocal critic uh, says that uh, if you're doing if YouTube is your job, he he says that YouTube isn't the job,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that uh, if you're You, the only money you should make should be ad revenue. And if you put, you have a Patreon, then you're, you're scamming your audience out of money. And I I just, I can't agree with that because you know, what's the difference between me making content for YouTube and an actor acting in a movie? Yeah. I, I
1: mean, that just sounds like a really dumb argument to me. I don't understand like the, like if they don't want to give you money, they won't give you money nobody's putting a gun to their head okay if you've got you know a reward system set up for patreon although i will say on a side note i'm actually really dissatisfied with my patreon right now i need to make tweaks to the rewards not because like i give out stickers and badges and like handwritten thank you You notes. speaking of which neo if you're still in the chat thank you for becoming a patron recently i appreciate that um but one of the things i've been bad about is keeping up to date with the content that i said i was going to put on there so i either need to restructure or get better at providing that content there but ultimately Mm -hmm. you know I, i mean nobody's making people give them money, you know, to me, I think that's really insulting dismissive to the audience because it basically says like those poor mindless automatons, they had no choice, but to give you Patreon money. No, they made the decision. They believed enough in what you did. They offered to support you monetarily so you could get closer to your dream of in my case, making it full-time and doing it, you know, creating X amount more content or adding Y amount more, you know, quality to those productions. Um, so to, to say that you know like people don't deserve to make money off it or that you're gouging them like I I think that's absurd.
0: Well, they call us e beggars.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Oh, I have heard the e begging thing. Now, I think what what they're referring to are people like uh, who was it? Metal Jesus rocks or or uh, would beat them up?s Whenever they're like, yeah, like hey, I had an, an expense pop up. If you guys wouldn't mind donating, I don't think of that as like e-begging necessarily. I mean, because you don't know that person's story, right? They may legitimately be in a bind where you don't know what their financial commitments are. You don't know what their life story is. You don't know if some of these creators don't have like alimony payments. You don't know if they may be struggling with medical bills because a loved one is suffering from some debilitating illness that's also putting a hurt Mm -hmm. on their ability to not only uh, just you know, stay in the lifestyle to which they've become accustomed, but then also still to keep putting on a happy face for you day in, day out to entertain you when they may be miserable off screen because of something that they're dealing with. Um I'm sorry but I, the whole thing where they're just like oh all these creators are ebaggers all I hear is I'm jealous that I'm not making the bank these people are that I'm accusing and I I just want to you know and, and it's weird because the same person who who is making this criticism probably has a YouTube channel and they're probably hilariously growing their audience off of their basically just throwing shade at other creators. Yep. All right well if you care that much then you know don't do the same thing that they are if you really feel that right, just put it on a blog or something or go put it on a, a podcast or someplace where it's not as visible. But they don't want to do that because they're in the game for the same reason that a lot of people are. They want to find some measure of success in some way. What drives that is a matter of debate. Like, for some people, it is very altruistic. For some people, it's very selfish. But, you know, whatever the motivation is to say, like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to make money. I mean, granted, it would be better if it was done ethically in an altruistic way. But, uh, you know, yeah, that that just bugged me. (laughs) <laughs> I, they, all I can think of is like, like who was it? Teddy Roosevelt speech, the man in the arena. Like, I have very little respect for for critics that are just like, "Wow, YouTubers aren't real and they don't deserve to make money." Like, I don't know. I just.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've gotten criticisms recently because I uh, I do promote my Patreon,
2: yeah,
0: and um, you know, I I and I've shared it before, and I'm like, look at the podcast, look at the stuff I put out. You know, I do feel like I should be compensated in some way if people find enjoyment in it or if they want certain specific things to, you know, increase production values or certain things like that. Like here you can you can join it and it's all optional. My content is free, but if you want to support, then you can support. You know, right. it's completely up to you. Like I've yeah, got. Yeah, you're not
1: dating your content. You're not saying you can't watch the you know, the podcast unless you pay me $12. And, and even if you did, good for you. Because you know what? The marketplace will prove whether or not it's viable. If you do that, you know, it's like, well, like the New York times or where they were like, Hey, you can't read our articles unless you pay me $15. Like uh, I'll go literally anywhere else to get what I need them. You know, but some consumers were like, I like the voice of the New York times. Like I will pay that, that $12 or whatever it is to get past the, uh, the content gate on the website. You know, it's whenever people talk about, I don't, I don't deal in theoretical. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't deal in this hypothetical. Like, well, this is how it should be. I work with what is, and what is, is a capitalist system where people can basically decide with their wallet, whether or not something is worth it. And then, you know, companies, individuals, proprietors will live or die by what the marketplace thinks. Yeah. It's not the best system in the world, but I think it's one of the best ones we got. <laughs>
0: Uh, any game you name says people left my stream yesterday because I talked about money, which is true. And a lot of people leave because they didn't like the fact that I talked about uh, uh the new tiers that I added to my Patreon because one I've I initially had three. I had a one dollar, ten dollar, and twenty-five dollar. Mm. One dollar tiers years is just, you know basic entry. You you want early access to videos that, you know, may have an embargo, but I can't publish right publicly. But if you want to check it out and see if, you know, there's that. And the ten dollar one was uh you know, it allows you to have some inputs to some of the things that go into my podcast questions and whatnot. Right. And, uh, the $25 here was your sponsor of the show. You know, you get, you know, I'll run things by you, you know, okay, this is what's going to be on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. You know, if there's an opportunity to have a person live on, like if I have a guest, like if I, I'm doing this podcast with, you now, if i where if there's an opportunity to have someone on, there's a chance for that. But at the same time, I have to screen, you know, the patron and mm. my guest. If it's not okay with my guest, then you're not going to just be hopping on. Yeah. You know, so there's that. And so I had one person who is the first $25 tier I had, which is a business out here in Hawaii. And um, basically they felt that because they, they became a $25 patron. And because of my connections to the game and tech industry, they were going to use me.
1: Oh, and
0: okay. they felt like, Oh, you should be running my commercials for my business and promoting my company. I gave you $25 for that. You know, you should, yeah, I don't see how I'm benefiting. And they didn't tell this to me. They went to my friend mm. and told him all that. And then he showed me all the conversation. I confronted them. I said, Hey, then you can cancel your patron. Yeah. Because at $25, you're the whole thing with Patreon is you're supporting my content. I never said I was running commercials or endorsing anything like that.
2: Right.
0: Um, so I made a tier yesterday. I made two additional tiers. I made a fifty dollar tier and a hundred dollar tier. The hundred dollar tier is for uh companies, brands, or whatever. You know, you want me to promote your product, you want me to run a post pre or mid-roll commercial or whatever. I will include that. Or if you want me, to, you know, like kind of Ben Shapiro, he'll talk about, okay, this is sponsored by blah, 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 blah. Mm. If you want me to do that, okay, fine, pay me. Right. Pay yeah. me to do that. <laughs> and
1: I don't think that's unfair. Like, there's a big difference between like I have a twenty-five dollar tier on, on Patreon that grants you certain benefits. That's not the same thing as you know a company with with like an, an ad budget paying hundreds of dollars for a spot for a true sponsorship. You know, and if that were the yeah. case, it's not that you couldn't do it at twenty-five, but I'm sure you would have explicitly stated that as such in the description for the thing rather than that person just making ass- assumptions based on how they thought you should do your content. And, and yeah. I will tell you, I I like your reaction to that because here's my position: um, I've had people tell me on my channel once or twice um you know just like they don't they're like well I don't think you should be making money or whatever or you know I don't know if I can stay subscribed if if you you're in this to make money uh bye. there's the door I'm sorry like I I love all the subscribers that I have and I love all the friends that I've made through the channel but truly and and here's my position like When I lose subscribers, when I lose Twitter followers, I don't look at that as a loss. I look at that as refinement. Now, it would be different if if I look month to month at my analytics and I was looking on YouTube and I was like, oh, man, I'm losing 400 subs a month. I would know something is seriously wrong. But if I see a slight dip happen and those people are like, well, I don't agree with your position on monetization, so I'm leaving. Bye. I'm not going to convince you. You should go spend your time in some place that's going to be more fulfilling. And, and it's not even me being a dick. It's like, go find somebody who appeals to your beliefs and your interests and the kind of content you want to see. But I'm not going to change what I do to try to cater to your interests because I know what I'm trying to accomplish here. Uh, and I know the people who are receptive to it are, are going to support me. And the ones that aren't, they'll go find something that they love. And that's totally fine. But like, and I always, I always go back to Dr. Seuss, man. Those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Like, If you don't like what I have to offer, it's not a threat to me to say I'm unsubscribing. I want you to unsubscribe because I have no desire to to speak to an audience that thinks they can hold me hostage with whatever their viewpoint is about how I create my content, how I monetize that content, how I engage with my community. These are things that I will decide. Um, you know, as much as I love anybody who watches my content, you know, that doesn't somehow magically entitle you to, you know, some direct sway. Like, unless you and I have a contractual agreement within the sponsorship realm, where I agree to feature your product for X number of seconds or minutes or something like that, or, or say something positive about it, and money's exchanged hands, I don't have an obligation in that arena. Now, I take all my feedback that I get very seriously, right? And that definitely factors into my decision making. But, you know, when, when someone's like, thinks that you know, their subscriptions, the end-all be-all, or, or it makes or breaks how I'm going to move forward. Not the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also got flack from my $50 one because my $50 one is for, uh, consultation services, uh, because it's something I do outside of YouTube. Anyway, I do consulting for different companies and mm-hmm. brands and businesses, uh, image consulting and whatnot. And, you know, when it comes to YouTube, I've had a lot of creators, both huge, and small, come to me about, hey, you know, how do you get this contact? How do you do this? How do you do that? And one of the things I've quickly learned is you protect your your secrets, your trades, and there are a lot of people that I have helped and I've gotten fucked over royally by a lot of them. That's always fun. Uh, it, it really is. Um, case in point, one of the queens of Nintendo. So... <laughs> And the uh, the book Book of Sun. Anyways, shots fired. Oh.
1: Um, <laughs> I know nothing about that.
0: Yeah. So um, I've been screwed over before um, and used for connections I have or whatever. And so I've lately had a lot of content creators constantly ask me for help. How do I do this? How do I reach out to this company? Who's contact here? And my thing is, if I'm friends with you, if I'm cool with you, I don't mind sharing that, like with you, with Fabian, with me DJM, because we're all creators who are serious about this. But for the people who want to get in, but they just expect a handout all the time. Mm. And I, you know, I don't mind helping people, but if I'm always helping you and there's no self initiative for you, then there's a problem. There's an imbalance in that relationship, you know? And I do feel like, there's nothing wrong with consultation. I, and I look at it in the sense of I can give you a fish and feed you for a day or I can teach you to fish and you can feed yourself for a lifetime. And, you know, people like, Oh, well, I want to work with this company. I want to work with this. Okay. I can show you how you can improve what you're doing to get to that point. Right. But I'm not guaranteeing you success. Like if right. people sign up for that tier and I work with a one-on-one and I think other people have to, people have to understand your time is money, especially when you're not working a day job anymore. Time, right. So, you know, that that's just one of the things like I got flack, some flack from people for that. Like, Oh, no one's going to sign up. I'm like, well, you never know. I never thought I was going to have six patrons. I never thought I was going to get over $50 on Patreon, but you know, I provide something and people find quality and value out of.
2: So, right yeah
0: so um questions Q&A for the chat I know yeah. we're winding down because I know Josh you got things going on today and, and we're, we're not going to make that five hour landmark
1: <laughs> no, that's only like I have things to do today but I'm not going to lie to you I'm really excited to play more Death Stranding tonight Mikael. that's not all I'm doing tonight <laughs> and I would never be like hey Mikael, it's Death Stranding time let's wrap it up but you know
0: oh man Sorry. uh so, uh, chat. What What are some of your questions, that what well, we can we can get this rolling? Um, let's see what we got. I'm here, most
1: got I'm here. most scared of the checkpoint show. He's uh, it, well, we were talking earlier, and I, I I I would expect that he'll have something out of left field. Oh, hey, we'll
0: see. No, we can always hit those left, those curveballs from left field. Yes, try let's to. See. We'll see. Let's see. Um, we got a question from RogueDragon05. He asks, yeah. or she, I'm not sure, he or she, uh, says, uh, what's your most annoying kind of YouTube trend or style of channels for both of you?
2: Hmm.
1: Most annoying type of channel?
0: Uh, trend. Trend or style of channels.
1: Trend. Um, That's hard to say. I mean, there's really not a lot of I don't look at a lot of YouTube channels and think like, oh, that's super annoying. I mean, because usually like format doesn't really matter to me. Like if it's, if it's good content, I don't really care what the, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really bugs me or that annoys me. I, I will say reaction videos can bug me when the reaction's not genuine. Like I saw, I think some people just saw a lot of uh, like, you know, that you could get a lot of attention with reactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess I'll just say, I'll tell you what, I, I don't like low effort content. I don't like that, um, and I don't mean like if you're just talking to a camera in like a dimly lit room or something that's low effort. No, it can make it can be high effort to come up with like talking points or to say something that, that's helpful. Like I'm big on content value over production value, but I know some people will do extremely low effort content. Um, and I mean, if it's working for them, like good for them, I guess. But generally, it's just not something that that I could ever do. Like I'm trying to what's a good example like low effort content.
0: Uh I have an example while you're thinking. Yeah. I cannot stand switch channels. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Oh my goodness. No, is- no, no, no. Let me let me get more detailed. Uh, okay, about it. You continue. That was, really- <laughs> that was That was a shock value. Yeah. It got to your attention. It 0 to 100
1: real quick. I was like the whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I can't the, the channels I can't stand. Are the channels that brand themselves fully around the switch?
2: What? Because
0: wh- what happens when the switch isn't around anymore? Well, the, the, then I mean, where the, do you the, go from there? they But most people I've I've seen don't know how to pivot. They only they got that rise, that wave of success. But, but,
1: but that doesn't explain to me why why that annoys you though. Whether or not they succeed in pivoting, can't they make great? great switch content on their channel as it exists today most do some, i
0: mean some don't
1: I, like I, I think i think you're right and i think that it could be limiting right if you if you that, m- marry yourself yeah. to that platform and then you know nintendo comes out with something new like maybe it would be hard to make that transition if some people aren't ready to move away from the switch yet but yeah sorry i i i'm biased <laughs> towards the switch okay that struck a nerve Mikkel. i love my <laughs> It's
0: okay. 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 I'll give you a better example because I I got your attention with that one. Yeah. Okay. So, the trend I can't stand is when I see channels that just hop into something just because they think it's trending without having any type of uh, understanding as to what's going on and not being able to articulate that to the audience. They're just talking about something just for the sake of talking about it because it's popular.
1: Yeah. So, actually, I, I did that. on on your player too, even once as an experiment. And it wasn't so much that I was like um, super pumped for that particular piece of content. I was curious to see what would happen if I could latch on to a trending topic, like the second it broke. Cause I was like, you know, I was like, obviously these news channels, you know, they may be onto something here. Like maybe there is like a repeatable sort of like just search engine traffic. You naturally get from, from that tried it hated it i couldn't stand it like i made it and i got a little bit more traffic above average but it was so boring because like you said i feel like i was just regurgitating something that was already outlined somewhere else um because another thing, like you can make the news really interesting if you if you can inject some of your own opinion and thoughts into it but you're right like i I suppose that would actually be a good example for me of low effort content if all you do is news regurgitation but you don't give any additional insight or 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 you know opinion on it that makes it interesting or specific to you as a creator like to me that's that's really low effort like it's not it's not overly difficult to just like read the work somebody else has done that's just you know that's just diet plagiarism
0: yeah okay okay um anything more you want to add to it
1: not really. I mean, because there, there really aren't a lot of channels. I, I don't like drama. I'll say that. Like, I mean, some drama can be like objectively funny from a distance, but I feel like I get my fill of drama from like watching like Netflix shows and stuff. Like, you know, whenever <laughs> I see like, like I come to to gaming on Twitter and on YouTube because it, it's like a comforting place, man. It's like a place where I can connect with people and share a love of gaming. But I don't, you know, so whenever I see like drama start popping up where it's like, did you hear what this YouTuber said about that YouTuber? I'm just like, i don't care like it might be mildly entertaining at first but i just it just reminds me i'm like it it scares me because i'm wondering if the experience that i've crafted in youtube and twitter will slowly erode and become what facebook is to me now like this cesspool of like you know it's not fun anymore i don't want that the game looters are here they are amazing
0: so miss djm has a question yes. uh she says what are your both of you mm-hmm. what are your thoughts to positive toxicity i feel like we touched on that earlier
1: positive toxicity oh uh, i think i think you mentioned it in passing earlier but are, are we talking about people who say like like yeah i want to be positive but then like their actions don't reflect it and they're actually like really, really like horrible goblin people or what are we saying i probably shouldn't say um... horrible goblin. it sounds
2: so bad <laughs>
0: Miss DJM, if you can provide a little bit more context to that question, uh,
2: we positive. can.
0: Because I'm thinking that's the people who are so positive. Oh, okay, never mind. She says somewhat that, but more like the advice that's being put out there on socials.
1: The advice you mean, like to are you talking Those... about, are we talking about like the promote positivity thing? like
0: yeah that's what i'm thinking too those people who are the
1: retro gaming community and i I think that's a good thing um yeah i don't i think i would have to know more about like a specific example or exactly i'm I'm not what are you getting from that mikhail help me out here
0: i'm okay so the one of the things i'm assuming maybe she's talking about the people that are Obnoxiously positive in a sense where it doesn't seem genuine. It seems like they're putting on a face for attention. Uh, oh, okay. like Mr. what's that guy, Mister Japan? He's kind of annoying with that. Um, possibly that's why I'm assuming she's, oh, wait, she's wait. getting at
1: advice uh advice being put out there don't let your numbers get you down it gets better i can't be mad i am those people misty jam so like i of course i'm not gonna say it, be like those people are garbage i am that annoyingly positive person i'm sorry to burst your bubble but it's true um but then again like, let me add some rationale to that so it doesn't just come up like a cliche platitude because that's probably why you find it so annoying like when i say don't worry about the numbers it gets better I think a lot of people are just really impatient, right? I think some people expect that they're going to dive into YouTube or something and it's going to be like overnight success, or, or even, or maybe they're even being a little bit more uh, liberal with their expectations and they're like, you know what? Maybe it will take me a year or two, but like for some of these people, it's going to take like five years, ten years, or it's not going to happen at all. But I am truly a believer. Like this is not disingenuous. This is not me just being like, hey, you go get them, champ. Well, secretly, I'm like that person has no shot. What I'm saying is, if you love what you do. Like, if you love the act of making videos, filming, editing, scripting, uploading, that sense of community you get from engaging with other people, and I'm not I'm not, not, making this up, I'm being 100% serious right now, it really is an incredibly rewarding thing. And those are the moments where I get into what I think psychologists refer to as flow, that sense of, like, literally hours could pass and you don't even notice it because you're so absorbed in what you're doing and you enjoy it so much um that the, you know the passage of time it just it just blinks by so i understand it's discouraging um and even me like i would love to like you know maybe to be full-time on youtube tomorrow but i also recognize that there's also some benefit to the organic uh patient path that's going to get me there because some of the challenges that would that a full-time youtuber has to face some of the cha- challenges that fabian has to face i'm not ready for yet because i know i haven't experienced like you know those kind of knocks you take along the way to get there um so you know when it comes to annoying positivity i think there are some people maybe over the top maybe that's who you're referring to maybe it wasn't like a you know a personal shot at me but i you know i actually i do have friends even now on twitter who i think take what i say with a grain of salt or i know that on some level i'm annoying them and i would love to change but i just can't because i i like being me if i'm if i'm being honest you know i think positivity is underrated
0: she says or when you put out your frustration out there as a creator but people Come back with, you'll get over it, be positive, look at the bright side. Um, I'll touch on that first. Yeah, sure. I think as a creator, it's okay to acknowledge and admit you're not having a good day. I think there should be a checks and balances with us putting everything out there about what's wrong. I, I do not think that social media should be a diary in that sense. Uh, so I can understand when people are like, okay, you know, it'll get better. Look at the positive side. There's always a positive, you know, there's for for whatever negative, there's something to balance it out. You can either be glass half full or half empty. Right. So uh,
1: go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, she did clarify here and said it basically makes you feel like your frustrations aren't valid because people say things like, just think happy things i think i think i seriously it's not so much that you're frustrated with the idea of of a positive perspective i think what you're saying is you're frustrated with the idea of somebody who um they they do offer those sort of platitudes instead of actually taking the time to understand the root of your frustration and that can feel invalidating am i saying that better now miss djm
0: like the dismissive people
1: yeah like like they're like, like like when you tell a depressed person like just don't be sad it's like telling someone who's who's drowning just like stop drowning like you know like you know if that's what you mean, I, I can see how that would be annoying. Yeah. Like, I cause, cause to me, that can be, that can indicate like a complete lack of, of empathy where it's just, it's not so much that you care about a person's, um, you know, frustration or them feeling bad and want to legitimately help them. You just want them to get out of your face. You just want the conversation to go away. Cause you're just like, Oh, just get over it. You'll be fine. I mean, sometimes you know, people need to man up, I guess, but you know, yeah. uh, that would annoy me too. I've had people who tell me before, because I've, I've dealt with anxiety and they tell you, just don't worry. When it's like, that's just not something you can just turn off. Um, So, yeah, I I would say that, you know, if that were the case, I would find it annoying. I don't think it's I don't think it's bad to have a, a positive outlook or perspective. Right. Like on my worst day, I live in America. Okay, and America's not, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the, the you know the top tier place that a lot of people think it is. But I can go get a five dollar cheeseburger any day of the week. All right, I really appreciate that. Knowing that there are people in the world who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight, they don't know if they're going to have access to fresh water. So even when I on my worst day, it's still a really good day. I'm not saying that I never get sad or anything, but I'm very good at at yeah maintaining some self awareness about where I'm at and and how much worse things could be. Could things be better? Yes, but it could get
0: way worse she says i see twitter filled with people frustrated and looking for advice or feedback but they are replied with that positive crap i think it that touches on the whole lack of empathy for some people and and also it could also be people who don't know how to deal with people that may be in that mindset that's a possibility yeah so um
1: i i and i will say like if And actually, that's that's really good information for me in particular, because, again, like, I don't want to fall into that trap of being like the guru guy. Right. I don't want I want to give people actual content, actionable steps that they can take. Um, I'm not very big on, you know, like, just feel better and just trust that everything's going to be okay. Like that can be a component of it. But I mean, there are things you can physically do or there are actions you can literally take to try to get yourself closer to that place. Um, and I, I would hope that, you know, the best advice is, is back with some sort of practical execution, right? It's not just a touchy feeling, make you feel better for a moment, and then you're kind of still stuck with the same root problem that got you there.
0: Come on, now. You know, the, the simple solution is that kumbaya coming to Jesus moment.
1: Hey, hey, I'm Christian, okay? So, you know, I, I have an unfair advantage in that regard. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. But I'll get been uh, out the stage whenever, like, my atheist friends are like, like you know like I have atheist friends who will be like jesus is dumb but like I'm not I don't flip out or anything
0: Yeah it's I, not
1: apathy I'm, I just you know
0: I'm, I'm not, the same way Yeah <laughs> All right gaming uh miss gaming mysterios asked um oh wait wait miss gm has one final point I think it is a final point but she says oh it doesn't have to be a final point you can keep asking but she says uh, also something i find personally also something I personally find to be positive toxicity is those who post things clout chasing messages saying, here's way to support without making without spending money.
1: Oh. I, I think I know what she's saying. I will tell you, that does annoy me because what bothers yeah. me, and, and this is not this is not even like a a good feel, sort of just positive, like, you know, cotton candy kind of platitude that you're talking about Misty Jam. I think there are people who prey on smaller YouTubers and try to leverage yeah. them for their own ends. And I think it's really transparent. I think it's really gross. Um, you know, it, it's, I think there are people out there who it, you can tell they don't truly care about the you know, smaller creators. They don't really care about, just other creators period but then they'll tag like a million people when they do something nice um and to me like if you're turning this this quote selfless act you just did like whether that was like you know uh, showcasing some other creator on a video you did or whatever it is but then you're tagging 40 people like hey everyone look how pious and amazing i am like it kind of defeats the purpose right there are more subtle ways that you can be supportive of people um you know with without trying to pump yourself up i guess uh sometimes that's unavoidable and sometimes even if you have the best intentions you may not be meaning to do that but you're still going to get targeted for it people are going to be like "Well, he's just doing that to, to make himself look good like i guess the long story short you you can never please everybody it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are how earnest those intentions are people are always going to interpret like I, I read something the other day really made me think it like blew my mind michael and it was like every time you go to sleep at night everybody you talk to that day knows a different version of you like you think of yourself one way but if you met 50 people that day they have there are 50 different michels in their head like across all of those different people i i it's Sad but true. You're never going to perfectly curate yourself to to appeal to everybody.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, 99% of people out there, I'm an asshole, and I'm like, thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten that
0: <laughs> No, a lot of people think that about me. I, I've been told that directly by people constantly, and I'm like, why thank you i'm doing my job you're thinking about me
1: <laughs> well, yeah i mean you know what is it what is it, like captain shackle like you're the worst pirate i've ever heard of was like but you have heard of me
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh gaming master uh gaming mysterio i hope i hopefully i'm saying that correctly mm-hmm. says uh what's good advice for someone who's making content but gets no viewership how are you marketing yourself
1: that's that would well yeah i would say how are you marketing yourself and and one like what do you want yeah like what's the, and, and when i say that like people think i'm being like abstract I, I mean at your most basic level do you want money do you want views just so you feel popular do you want fame do you want to you know, connect with people do you want to raise awareness about a social cause or something like there's no wrong answer if you want to be rich and famous go get it buddy i'm rooting for you But at least be honest about what you want, because I think when people aren't honest about what they want, then they start clouding their tactics to get there. So if in my head, I want to be super famous, but if people are like, Hey, what do you want? You're like, Oh, I don't know. I just want to put out good stuff, you know, but you know, you want to be famous. Then you're going to cloud up your own tactics to get to the thing that you want at the core of your being. But you know, at least be able to be honest with yourself about what that is. Cause that way you can figure out if you're using tactics to get you there. Cause you know, if I'm not honest about wanting money, then I'm not going to take smart steps to start cultivating revenue streams for, you know, to monetize my content, for example.
0: Exactly. I couldn't say it any better.
1: <laughs> oh. I mean, it's, you know, because it is weird, like, there's, I don't think there's any way to get around. Like, there is a certain amount of ego associated with putting yourself out on YouTube, right? You are essentially, even if you're, you know, like, like the most humble down to earth, dude ever, you're still saying, like, you should watch me because I'm good enough at, you know, being on camera or, or talking that I'm worth your time. Like, even if you're not like overtly like arrogant or something like that, there is at least a part of you that has to have some ego to pursue the kind of creative avenue that put puts you in front of people, you know, all the time, whether it's in live streams or constantly as you put out or whatever. But again, I, I think it all comes down to like how you conduct yourself. Right. I mean, there's there's confidence and then there's arrogance. Right. There's um, people who are having a bad day and there are people who are in a complete state of despair. And I think there are very thin lines between, you know, some of those conditions you can find yourself in.
0: He says uh no marketing to be honest just putting stuff and going from there well then that's our, that's the our, problem
1: yeah i mean i mean <laughs> I, I start telling start telling relevant people about what you're making yeah um you know like if, if you're on a gardening channel this is probably not the right avenue for it but you know if you like have a gaming channel go find other gamers man like go find subreddits where people are talking about games engage with them but don't expect anything um and if you have something you can contribute to the conversation that was your creation then go for it if if you have a channel in a particular genre or a particular niche i should say um you know go find 15 other channels that you love and admire and start genuinely connecting with people don't promote don't go to another channel and be like like hey you know what this is a cool video You know, i have a cool video over here because that's going to make you look like a jerk just go there and genuinely interact with people that you really enjoy. If you don't really enjoy it, don't hang out there. Go, go keep trying until you find one that you do. And over time, you'll get to know more people, and more people will just be naturally curious about you as you say, you know, funny, insightful, or uh, helpful things on other people's channels. Like you'll you'll get some organic growth there. It's not fast, it's not flashy, but it's fulfilling. And I would say it's a better yep. long-term strategy than just like running into people's channels, and being like, go subscribe to me. Don't do that. Everyone hates that guy.
0: And also, to, to touch on that with a, with uh, something I've noticed too, just because if you grow, like your viewership to your your audience size is never going to be in parity. Right. So so there's that. Um, but definitely figure out what it is that you want because like my friend Chris Manvely says, vague goals get vague results.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true
0: um checkpoints show has a question says when you guys are feeling low and have no motivation to make a video how would you go about getting that motivation back i.e feeling like your channel isn't making a big enough splash that you want
1: uh i start i start i I fold socks I'm, i'm not kidding i'm dead serious when i'm down in the dumps and things don't feel right and i don't have motivation i take the smallest possible action i can find because motivation it, it, people get it backwards you don't get motivated to take action you get motivation after you take the action so i just start as small as humanly possible i let momentum build sometimes that action is just like throwing away that empty can of monster that's been on my desk for three weeks or I'll, I'll leave it there for three weeks but <laughs> too long for a 35 year old
0: you need to get sponsored by monster by now (laughs) i know right
1: like when i'm feeling down the dumps checkpoints i grab a nice cold monster but no like like that's that's usually what i do because the the other struggle that i have with the live format is the live format uh it doesn't wait on you you have to be there and you have to be present i can't i can't pre-record eight live stream videos the way i could pre-record like eight video game reviews and let those roll out and if i'm having a bad day let the content roll anyways where i look super happy on the video if you're having a rough day and you got to go live that's tough um yeah and you know some people are more prone to those episodes than others um you know my anxiety can sometimes put me in in a in a weird funk where it's just like i feel like i don't want to do anything despite how much i love the process of making videos or jumping on live streams and whatnot um but when i feel that way I start taking action for two reasons. One, um, motivation results from action. So if I start doing simple stuff like uh, I will just I'll, I'll fold socks, I'll put laundry away, I'll put I'll you know I'll I'll dust a countertop. Uh, and then slowly I start kind of getting in the rhythm of action. Then I start getting emboldened because it's like, there's like this loop in your brain, right? Every time you successfully do something, the rewards in your brain going to light up and it feels good. And then you want more of it. So then you start trying to tackle bigger things. Another thing I do is like when that seems too daunting, because I've been in a position where I'm like, yeah, I know taking action feels good, but I'm just too tired or I'm too sad or I'm too lazy or whatever it is to do it. Uh, I trick myself and the way I do it is I set a timer on my watch for five minutes and I'm like, just be productive for five minutes. Just five minutes, and then you can screw around the whole rest of the day. You you can you can eat a family sized bag of Twizzlers for dinner. You can sit in your underwear and watch uh, that Scrubs marathon you've been putting off. Just five minutes, and w- without fail, every time I give myself some t- arbitrary time limit, I always exceed it, and I always start snapping back into who I am. Um, the other thing, too, is I would say don't put pressure on yourself. Talk to somebody who delight you know delights and amazes you, and is an encouraging portion of your life. You know, call your mom, see how she's doing, tell her you love her. That's always a nice thing to do. Or you know. Hit up a good friend. Go get some coffee. Don't focus on it so hard. Um, or if you have a
0: pet, play with your pet. Play with
1: your pet. Great for your stress levels. Um, but, but yeah, uh, for me, the, the socks thing is my immediate go-to. I, I don't know why. I always use socks as a very specific example. I just I just like pulling them into a fuzzy ball. Feels nice.
0: Yeah. I think for me, what I do is I either play with my cat um, or I... Just do something else productive that I something I I put off like right. you know for the umpteenth time I need to do dishes sure. I, I I'm bad at doing dishes. My wife easily does it. So <laughs> I, I mean, she's like, can you for once just wash the dishes? Yes, Lehua.
2: <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> like this house the house is
0: a So. So, you know, I'll, I'll just go and do that. And then, you know, when I do that and I get to focus on something else, I can come back to whatever it is I was trying to do with a video or just content in general with a fresh pair of eyes and perspective. That's that's just how it is for me. Yeah, You know, I, I think trying to force it when it's not there, I don't know if that's good. Sometimes you have to, like if you have an embargo and you have to get something out, that can be tough. You know, I'd say in that case is push through it, but if it's not urgent, yeah, then you know. Um, let's see, Miss DJM, she has a question for you. Oh. Um where'd it go? So for your your player too, how do you approach people you want to collaborate with? On the flip side, how do you decide if you want to collab with someone who reaches out to you?
1: Oh, those are both great questions. I like that. Um are. I did a couple of I think I did a couple of videos on this and I know I've live streamed about it, but uh, in terms of approaching people, I want to collaborate with. um, I, it's weird because I actually have trouble with this. I especially have trouble reaching out to larger YouTubers. And I think it's a byproduct of the imposter syndrome thing that I, I briefly touched on earlier. Like that's how my anxiety works. It's so much so that I I talked to. um, Uh, riff from pixel game squad which pixel game squad is amazing like, like they're all a bunch of sweethearts but riff in particular i got to talk to him um briefly at e3 right into him just randomly on the e3 floor which was great and then i got to talk to him uh at, for longer at um the southeast game exchange right and one of the things i asked him, i was like hey man I was like, you know congrats on your success because those guys like blew up in terms of popularity and i was like do you have any advice for me on how to, to you know talk to larger youtubers or how to approach them without looking like a jerk because um, that's something I struggle with. And he was, you know, very sweet, very down-to-earth dude. And he was like, you know, he was like, I don't really think you're gonna have trouble with it. He was like, he's like, just be genuine and don't make everything sound like it's a pitch, right? Because they get pitched stuff all day long, if not directly by other content creators that are trying to collaborate, then probably by like businesses or other people want to want to send them products and everything. Like, just be chill in your execution. Now, how I would personally approach people, usually it's not intimidating for me, um, for most of the people that are known to me in my own sphere. Like, I would have no hesitation about just, like, hitting up Mikkel and be like, hey, man, you want to do this video? Or, like, Russ Lyman or any of the people I've hung out with, and like, Fabian or Adrian. Actually, i got to talk to Adrian about a PS. Never mind. I don't want to spoil it. There's a, a collaboration that starts with PS, and that's all I'll say. Um, But my approach is just to do so in a, just a genuine, chill way and, like, find find the thing that brings them benefit. You know, like, I don't necessarily go into a collaboration only because I'm like, ooh, I want to get into some of that sweet subscriber base that Mikkel has or whatever. No, for me, it's like, can I bring something of benefit to the other person to collaborate? Because that's really the only reason you should do a collaboration, right? Is if both parties benefit in some way. You know, if, if my strengths balance your weaknesses and vice versa, that's a very peanut butter chocolate situation, right? Like I may not be the best production artist in the world, but I may be able to you know speak in a coherent way that brings value to your audience. Um, on the flip side, you know, you may have tremendous... Uh, you know, production production uh, artist abilities, but you couldn't talk your way out of a paper bag. You know, so when those things come together, I, I think I think it's easier to approach someone for collaboration when you can see the obvious benefit uh, to both parties and, you know, just just be chill about it, genuine. Don't oversell. And what was the second part of that question? I lost it. Uh, so How do I decide who to collaborate with? Uh, if someone reaches out to me, if they're an unknown quantity, that's a hard pass. I've had people hit me up and be like, let's collaborate. And I'm like, absolutely not. I don't even know you. But if I know you a little bit, uh, I start looking at things like, you know, does the collaboration make sense? Is there obvious crossover yeah. in our audiences where it makes sense for me to collaborate with you? I'll also dig into your history a little bit. I'll look and see who you are on social media. Like I had a dude pop on in one of my streams and uh, he, he chatted a little bit. He's a nice guy. And then he messaged me on Twitter. He was like, hey, man, I think we should work together on a video. I've seen your audience. I think you and I have a lot of the same uh, goals and aspirations. We have very similar content. You know, It was a very professional sounding message. And I was like, all right, well, this is interesting. I'll, I'll go check this guy out. And I went to his channel and his, his channel was 90% weed stuff. I'm not saying I have a problem with weed. I'm saying that my channel clearly is a more family-friendly focused channel that's predominantly video games. <clears throat> so to look at my channel and then look at your own channel, which again is 90% like, what are the best bongs of 2018? <laughs> and be like, you and I have a lot in common. That's a bit of a stretch. We both like video games, but I don't think that would be a good fit for my audience um so usually what i look for is like are you honest do you come off sleazy um you know do you make do you make cool stuff i don't care if you have like 10 subscribers or 10 million if you're a good dude or good lady dude and you make cool stuff and there's something fun we can work on together i'm 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 down i'm down to talk about
0: it. You're stoner too
1: <laughs> You're stoner or, right i'm gonna change my name like every 420 you know will be that guy oh
0: my god Cause, oh cause man.
1: Amazing, my lord you should talk to him they're they're delightful
0: so uh, uh Ty Lord uh asked do you guys ever not feel like playing video games i just played through skies of arcadia and now i don't feel like any other game can live up to the experience Ooh. oh you oh so yes. do you
1: mean like the way around times where i just don't feel like playing games or do you mean is there ever a time when there's a title that's so mo- momentous that i'm just like that's the end there there are no peaks beyond this like i've ascended to gaming valhalla where do you go from here is that what you mean
0: yeah, I, I need a little bit more, a um, little bit more context. Oh, the oh, latter? Okay. The latter.
1: I'll tell you, I'll, you know, normally I would say no, because there's always new adventures to explore, right? But I'll tell you what, The Last of Us put a hurting on me. I finished The Last of Us, and I was like, literally every other game in my collection looked less appealing. I was like, I'm like, I, how do you top that? You know, I, I would, occasionally that does happen. Yeah, it's rare, but it happens. And The Last of Us is, is the, the the best example I could think of.
0: I think the the last game to do that to me was uh, Yakuza 6, just because every Yakuza game, you know, I, I got so emotionally attached to Kiryu as a character uh, that by the end of Yakuza 6 was his last story, uh, which is the last game featuring him. Mm-hmm. It just got to a point for me, like, I was like, I, I'm looking for other characters and games that touch me the way the kid you has. And you journey with him from when he was 20 years old up until he's like 48 years old. So his journey was touching. Right. And so for me, I, I guess you could call that kind of like a, a slight video game depression, like in yeah, the sense yeah. of that. So I think so you get finished that.
1: marathoning a great Netflix series or something.
0: Yeah. So. Um, you guys have any more questions if not we can go ahead and uh, we can start the wrap up uh, we can we can take probably one or two more questions if you guys have any but uh, I, I really definitely want to get some feedback from you guys do you guys did you guys enjoy this episode do you guys enjoy the live format this is the second live uh, podcast i've done this year uh, i used to do them all the time but i've switched up to pre-recorded and i've noticed um the engagement's a lot better people, Seem to enjoy the live
1: also, format also i should tell you michael i was only half joking when i re- retweeted this and i said i'm, I'm gonna steal his ideas for my own i'm dead serious i'm stealing lots of this because i had said one of the things i want to do is start bringing creators over onto my channel mm-hmm. uh you, you can come too obviously since i'm i'm taking i'm stealing a lot of this visual format but uh yeah because I, I that's one of the things i want to do is like a um for the informative, inspirational, encouraging kind of content that I like to make over there, was I was like, why don't I just do a very chill, like barely even an interview, but just like hang out with other people in the gaming space who you know, like I, maybe I haven't talked to, like Tark Scott. I love Tark Scott. He makes incredible content. He's incredibly yeah, witty he does. He's on Twitter, um, and I've never gotten to really talk to him for a discernible amount of time aside from a few DM exchanges. Uh, but I would like, I would love to have that dude on the show. Yeah,
0: De- definitely, definitely. Oh, and, uh, sorry,
1: sorry in advance for
0: taking some of this hey so hey you know as so long as i get the royalty fees i'll give you
1: full credit <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put like a nice splash screen like most of this visual design was stolen from michael Casanova.
0: oh man no, no I've, I've had a great time having you on the show and i know we went a yeah, little longer wrap. than what we we expected um i i guess they don't have any more questions so we can go ahead and and start the wrap up man um what is some, some things you you got in the, ah, God, I can't talk today. I'm looking at um, a monster, <laughs> I know I'm fiending for rarity. one. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what are uh, some projects you have in the works and uh, what's some things you want to leave the audience with?
1: um projects i have in the works right now is uh i'm trying to really it's not so much a project so much as a challenge that i'm working through and that's this uh i mean i am going to go back to live streaming every weekday morning at 8 a.m and it's probably going to go back and forth between uh, you know like helpful encouraging stuff um and You know, and then also just raw video game content. We're all just do fun stuff. Like, you know, what was, like I said, what was the first Zelda game you ever played? Things where we can basically just get in the middle of discussion since a lot of the people who respond to that poll seem to like the real-time discussion as much as the content itself. So I'm going to try to, you know, provide stuff that caters to both in a fairly regular way. So that's something I'm I'm trying to do. Now for pre-produced videos, things that are coming up, um, Really, it's going to be a combination of more in-depth tips videos because one of the things that I found that was a deficiency of the live format is if I wanted to go on at length about, like, oh, here's how to optimize OBS for live streaming for your games or something, I can't really do a whole lot of, like, it's not as efficient as doing, like, a screencast or something where I can show people individual nuanced information about, like, you know, the options you need to check on. So uh, it'll be basically live streams uh, in the mornings, you know, and then in the evenings it's going to be, uh, you know, multiplayer stream is still on Wednesdays. Uh, And then I'll probably do on Tuesdays and Thursdays when pre-produced content is going to drop. And then Sundays... Uh, Right now, for the foreseeable future, I'm doing story time Sunday, where it's like we play a game that has a deep and fulfilling narrative, and then we all play together. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure book, so everyone decided they wanted to see The Witcher 3 played to completion. That may be a three-year project for me to finish The Witcher 3, because it's such a big game, but it's fun, because everyone kind of jumps in, and then we make moral and ethical decisions together. Like, should Geralt Geralt kill the, the, the demon, or should Geralt turn the demon into a horrible horse that terrorizes the countryside, and we all made horrible decisions together uh but yeah like so those are that's some of the content that's going to be up on the channel um other projects that i'm working on honestly if you guys want to check out that podcast i would love some feedback I, I mean the best thing that you could do if you want to see more is uh just hit me up on twitter you know shoot me a dm i'll say howdy uh but if you want to check out the podcast i would be curious to see because i'm assuming a lot of your audience is more familiar with the podcast format than mine would be uh, do you think that's a fair statement Mikkel? it's pretty accurate because if that's the case you guys would probably be a better judge of of you know what you think I'm doing with uh with this podcast just as an experiment I will tell you it's an incredibly verbose thing where I talk about this if you want to check it out here but that's that's where you can find the episode and it was just like a one off I just did it for fun because it was creatively fulfilling but if you guys like it um yeah I, I would love some feedback on Twitter if you wouldn't mind that would be great yeah
0: i say keep going with it <laughs> you, you
1: know, I, I know your your feelings on it but you know, it's a, uh, you know, you're slightly biased, right?
0: I am biased. Slightly. <laughs> uh, Chosen Rebel says, how do you get through the live streams when, or well, how do you get did or do? I'm not sure. if uh, You mean early to. on?
1: Like how did I stream when the view count wasn't as high? Like it, when, the, so I, there's a video on my channel called how to stream when nobody's watching which has some tips specifically to that scenario but i will tell you just off the top of my head personally you always have an audience of one and that is yourself so if you can enjoy spending that time with yourself and if you play games that you enjoy it's never a loss and actually it's a huge advantage if you don't have any eyes on you then you can practice your delivery with very little risk of feeling like you're going to freak out if you bomb really hard or if you stumble over your words and can't figure out what to say i would practice the art of talking to yourself at great length because one of the 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 biggest challenge i think most streamers face is even if they have the audience they don't necessarily have the chops to continually engage them over and over because it's a real struggle to divide your attention between playing a game and doing that well and also keeping track of people in chat and establishing a meaningful dialogue with them i would just get in the habit of talking to myself constantly even if you have zero viewers like as long as you're having a good time and as long as you can talk effectively forever i mean you'll be in a better position or you'll be better prepared when you do see those viewers start showing up. And the more consistent you are, the more likely it is that they will.
0: Mm-hmm. I just sent you something, Josh. It's coming next year. Oh, that's
1: crazy. That's awesome. When's that happening?
0: Uh, we're shooting for probably February or March.
1: Nice. Well, tell uh you tell that person I said, howdy.
0: If you want to co-host, you could always do that too.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm two hundred percent on board with that idea.
0: <laughs>
1: That's a big yes.
0: So, um, if there's no other questions, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh,
1: it's a big yes, Miguel. <laughs> I just want to I be don't...
0: emphatic. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I've, you know, I, I really can't think of anyone else. If I or to have a co-host, you'd be my first guest cool. to you know to do that with. But um so with that being said, I guess we have no further questions. Seems like everyone enjoyed the show. I have to ask you my final question. Did you have fun? Me? Yes.
1: You. Yeah I had a super good time. Are you kidding me? You were just like like don't censor yourself on the slightest. You just talk as much as you want to like I never get that kind of permission. So having somebody explicitly tell me like hey let's not like <laughs> you know shattering crackhead you just go on at length and no one's gonna stop you that feels great <laughs> it's very liberating so yeah awesome. thank you for again awesome. for having me i appreciate the invite
0: i know and and uh, hopefully when we do this again it doesn't take it's the same thing i said to fabian it took me and fabian over a year to get this going i know for you and i this has taken what like
1: two months two three months
0: three at least three. yeah well i feel like since was it before or a little after E3 we started talking about it?
1: Uh, I think I think we touched on it briefly, like around the time of E3, but then like, you know, it's just my work schedule is like really weird anyways, because again, it's like, I you know, I don't want to commit to it, and then in the middle of it, I have to jump off our work call or something, but yeah. the important thing is that we made it happen, and I, you know, you know, it's been a great time, man. I appreciate it.
0: All right, and, and then tell people where they can find you on the social medias, which also people, is available in the link down below.
1: Yes, it's twitter.com slash it's your player too, because... Somebody else who doesn't even use Twitter anymore had your player too, so I didn't get my actual name, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best place to find me. Twitter is, is where it's at for me. Like, DM me there. If you go to my channel, um, you know, if you look at the content and make sure it's right for you. And if you think it's content that appeals to your interest, if you're like, yeah, this dude does film good unboxing. If you're like, yeah, this dude does have legitimate tips on, you know, how to stream when no one's watching, you know please subscribe if you think it makes sense for you if not no hard feelings but if you do want to talk or maybe you don't even want to subscribe to the content maybe you just want to be like hey can I bounce some ideas off you or something please feel free to hit me up seriously like dms are open just hit me up on twitter or uh my emails in the about section it's just get at yourplayer2.com um you know happy to talk to you like I want you to make amazing stuff that is my life's purpose so thank you for your time today
0: And, uh, guys, you'll be able to catch this episode of the podcast, not only here on YouTube, I'm going to re-upload it with, uh, the intro and outro as well, but you can also catch this on several outlets. You can also see it this right here. I know when I did this with Fabian, I'm like, oh, where am I at again? (laughs) And it's right in front of me. Uh, you can catch this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Uh, YouTube, Twitch to an extent I'm probably going to get ripped Twitch but it's also um, coming soon to uh, Podcast One which is already on the beta platform that they have which is Launchpad DM which is if you're a podcaster and you're looking for a lot of exposure Podcast One takes care of you on Launchpad One and it's free and uh, we're coming soon to Sirius XM Radio Um, we're going to have a weekly syndicated show on there and so with that being said if you enjoyed the podcast leave a like comment rate it on uh apple Podcasts if you haven't i please thank you guys to do that please do that because um it's really hard as a podcaster your value as a podcaster is really based around the engagement of the audience If they if you really enjoy it please leave a rating it can be say it can be as short as hey i enjoyed it five stars four stars three stars whatever or i didn't enjoy it and just say why engagement positive and neg- negative either one works and uh with that being said this is Mikhail casanova this is josh your player too Mikhail casanova on air the casanova podcast the number one podcast in hawaii we are signing out you guys have a good one hey did you enjoy this episode of the casanova podcast well i'm sure you did and since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, it includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you like, what you didn't like and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova, as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8am Eastern standard time. So that being said, this is Mikel Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great day.